Okay, where's this book at? Where's this book? There is the book. Yeah, baby. Here we go. Where's the most current book? I think this is it. I need to get my shit together. <laughs> oh my God. Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. And uh, this is live, unscripted. Um, I might cut it up later in editing, but what you're seeing right here is absolutely live. And um, before I get started, um, you guys should know I have a free book. I give, I've been writing like crazy. Like all I've been doing for the last two years is writing. And so I'm just taking all my knowledge, everything, my experience, putting it all, writing it all down and then putting it out there in a format that's readable, that's understandable. And my hope is to educate people, as many people as possible, on, mostly on GRC, which is governance, risk and compliance. It's a, it's a different branch of cybersecurity that a lot of people just don't know about. And so that's my niche. That's that's kind of what I talk about. So right now there's a book that's going to tell you how to do a cybersecurity program using the what's called the NIST cybersecurity um, framework. And so that book right now is free on Amazon KDP. You can download it. All I'm asking for is a review. Um, just go in there, download the book and then go to your digital downloads or your digital orders and then give me a, a, a review. The thing is, I give these books out all the time, about every other month or so. And every now and then I'll do bundles. I'll do I'll, I'll give out free codes for audio books. All my books have audio books like this one doesn't just yet because I just released it. But an audio book is going to be soon to follow. And if you're interested in this book, if you're kind of wondering like what's in it, I'm going to kind of go through it a little bit right here. So what I did was just thinking about what people need. And a lot of times organizations I've been to, whether they're public sector or private sector, a lot of times they are lacking in the um, cybersecurity uh, program department. It's really one of the things that people, that organizations lack the most. And uh, what I mean by a program, I mean, actually, let me switch my screen over here. I don't know if you guys can see this on TikTok. Yeah. So what I mean by this, by a program is it's a process that an organization has to manage their security. And that's known as, that's also known as GRC. Um, it's not super technical, but there there is a need to know something about IT. So here's all the chapters and it's just introduction to NIST cybersecurity framework, um, how to build a cybersecurity program, implementing protective measures. It's kind of going through each one of the categories um, and in, 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 uh, subject matter of the NIST CSF. So it's how to implement the NIST CSF within your organization from the perspective of somebody who's done this before. It's in plain English. It's straight to the point. It's not a lot of uh, fluff. It's just going straight to the point. And the best thing about it, in my opinion, of this book is that I give you a bunch of um, templates, a bunch of templates that are in this book, but also downloadables uh, that are in that are in this book. These, these are samples. There's there's another website that you can go to that has a bunch of downloads, like more than you're going to be able to use. And, and the reason why I do this is to give you an idea of like what what it should look like. If you happen to be somebody who's developing one of these one of these uh, program, one of these uh, policies or programs, 
this is a sample guide to say, okay, how do I, how do I do this? And you can just look at this. You're not going to copy this verbatim, but what you're going to do is say, okay, let me get an example of the wording. And then you'll make your own wording that's based off of whatever organization you're in. So that's, that's all it's doing is giving you like a kind of taste test so that you can make your own. So you can build on your own stuff. So that's that's the idea behind this whole thing. But within the book, it's breaking down like the why. Why do you need to have protective measures? I mean, it seems obvious, but I'm breaking down the why in great detail so that you know what to hit when you're talking about protecting uh, protecting data. And very quickly, I go through what the NIST is, what the NIST cybersecurity framework is. It's very different from the NIST. 800 risk management framework is a that's a different framework and um so yeah if you're interested in this link in description below it takes you straight to the book also if you happen to be watching me on face on tiktok or whatever then it's also there download the book is for free you know if, if nothing else when you download it it helps my, me in the algorithm for uh for amazon if you don't feel like actually leaving a review just downloading itself is really helpful to me if you think my content's helpful you don't you don't maybe you don't have a need for this book you know you're, you're not really into this maybe you do something else it something else but if you just download it that's that's actually that helps me out quite a bit so go ahead and just go ahead and download it and um let's get into this i'm gonna answer any questions that you guys have any questions whatsoever i'm on tiktok i'm on facebook i'm on link linkedin i'm on youtube any questions you know what? It's open topics. Anything you want to talk about, I'll talk about it live. There's no filters. There's no, I'm not editing this. Maybe later I'll go back and edit it. But right now it's open topics. Okay. I've got some people on TikTok asking and interacting with me. I'm going to go through you guys' questions before it gets crazy in TikTok. Cyber Assured. How you doing, Cyber Assured? I think you have a website, right? He says, um, is it better to go deep or cast wide net, cloud agnostic or niching down on one? Just my, in my opinion, in my career, I think it's better in the beginning. You want to cast a wide net because you need to understand everything. I would say go broad in the beginning, like a fractal, like fractals. If you've ever seen a fractal where it's like it starts off really far away and it gives a big picture of what it is, right? The fractal. And then as you go into it, it starts to go into all these different details. That's what I think you should do, like an aperture. Start wide if you're in the beginning of your career. If you're just starting out, start wide as possible. Learn about IP addressing. Learn about networking. Learn about a little bit about cloud stuff. Um, learn a little bit about programming. Like Get a little bit of pieces. Taste test each part. And the reason I say that wide in the beginning is because you don't really know what you want just yet. You might want to go into cryptography. You might want to go into GRC. You might want to go into hacking. You don't know yet. Taste test everything. And then start to narrow it down. Like, let's say you you like, okay, I want to do pen testing. Narrow it down and get into pen testing. Then start going into pen testing and start doing certifications for pen testing. Start doing more education. Learn the tools and the tricks of the of, of the trade and all of the key words that go into, into pen testing. You know, learn about ethical hacking. Learn about Kali Linux. Learn about scripting languages like Python. Start niching down. So niching down is really how you make the money. The money is really in niching down is what I've noticed in this in this field. If you're very broad, I'm not saying you can't make money with broad because 
actually managers are usually pretty broad and they make money. So you can go broad and, and remain that way. But I think that your bread and butter is going to be a niching down because not everybody is going to is going to win over that director position or a CEO position. Because once you start to get up in the levels, it gets a little political and it's not really about your skill so much as about your skill. Your, what's what's on paper and then how you speak to people and like it gets a little political as you go up up the chain you know so and, th and those guys tend to be very broad but the thing is the the higher you go up you, you're expected to be broad and deep <laughs> so <laughs> um so that's just my two cents let me go over to um linkedin okay so mr perez says do you think that and thank you for your question um do you think that reporting your fellow coworkers is the most effective way to reducing cyber risk, or do you think it creates more enemies due to animosity? Um, Mr. Perez, I would really think it's, it, it depends on a couple things, on your role, what where your role is, and um, what your position is, and what environment you're in. And then what's the situation? Let me explain. So I'll give you two specific examples. Um, I worked in a in a skiff type environment, like what skiff means, like it's a secret compartmentalized facility and uh, you have top secret SCI data. This is nothing to be this is nothing to trifle with. Um, so if something is lost or somebody's doing something they're not supposed to do. If you don't report it, you can go to jail. So, I mean, <laughs> report that shit. <laughs> Who cares about enemies? I mean, you want to have enemies on the outside of jail or on the inside of jail. So if I was say, <laughs> if you're dealing with classified information and shit like that, man, just report it, man. Don't don't even mess around with that. If you happen to be in it, like I worked in a private sector. I was in, um, I was in, uh, I worked at Verizon and we were, we were consultants. And uh, there was a time like there, they'd, if something would happen, I'm not going to give you specific examples. I'm just making stuff up. But if something happened and it was something that that could that I knew wasn't going to hurt a client or it was just something, you know, just a little thing. I would just talk to the person and say, man, like what? Like, I think you should be doing X, Y and Z. Right. And then they would explain to me, well, no, nah, they, they've been there 15 years. And like, well, here's why I don't do that. You know, and then I'll be like, OK, and then it's up to me to report it or whatever. So I think that those two different use your best judgment, but it should be based off of the environment and what's going on. Risk management in all things. So risk, the level of risk dictates what your actions are going to be. In the skiff example I gave you where you're dealing with classified top secret information, compartmentalized and all that stuff, the risk is very high. If somebody's doing something they not, they're not supposed to do. Uh, and I'm going to give you an example of like, and he's going to freak you out, but somebody's doing something they're not supposed to do in the skiff. Like you should just tell, period. Tell, tell whoever, like immediately. Um, that said, let me give you a specific example of why you should tell. I was at a skiff. I'm not going to give you, I don't know how much of this is like I can talk about or whatever. I, I'm not, I don't think it's going to get anybody in trouble. I mean, it's been a long time ago. But I was in a skiff and there was this dude who uh, he was a new dude. And uh, 
I don't know how to put this in a story form. Like, okay, so this dude was taking classified information, scanning it in the digital form, and then sending it to our ops, the opposition. And um, he was a sympathizer with, with, with the ops. I don't know why he did this, especially as a cybersecurity guy on a on a Department of Defense network, because they watch everything. I mean, they see everything. The stuff that people are scared that the government's doing in the civilian world, they do it in the DOD. Like they, there's nothing, if you're on a DOD network, there's nothing they don't see. So <laughs> I don't know why he did this, but he was scanning stuff and then sending it off. And then the FBI or whoever came in and arrested him right in front of God and everybody. Like he just walked his ass right out and that's it. Never heard or seen that guy ever again. So yeah, tell, tell him, tell, be a snitch. <laughs> Uh, that'll be it. Go to jail. I mean, don't risk it, man. Uh, KP, KP55 says, how do you get experience to narrow down your focus in cybersecurity? That's a great question. Um, so KP55, what I did was I was in the military. I was in the military. I was in the Air Force and uh, as a C3OX1, which was a computer operator. And really, we had many different jobs. We start you start. To, they usually start you off on the help desk doing customer support, fixing laptops, fixing desktops, whatever, right? And every now and then you'd get exposure to the network or to uh, to servers or whatever, but it was very little experience. So let's say you wanted to niche down in cybersecurity. Well, in the help desk, you actually do have some interaction with cybersecurity because every now and then we'd have to update virus definitions. That's something that that's actually a cybersecurity um, task. Uh, that you could put on your resume and that's legit because what software are you using you're using semantic endpoint protection you're updating the signatures for that it's doing heuristic um it's doing some kind of heuristic algorithm to detect whether or not um anomalies are being are on the system whatever right um and then um another thing you're doing as a help desk person is you're putting patches uh security patches on the operating system. So with whatever IT you happen to be doing, you're there's a good chance you're doing a little bit of whatever you're trying to niche down on. So so the first thing is the real is to recognize what it is you're doing in that specific niche. Whether that be cybersecurity, incident response, I you're doing a little bit of that. You got to recognize it and then put that on your resume and then dive deeper into it, know more about that thing. If you're doing backups, you're doing disaster recovery, you can niche down into that. If you're doing, um, I don't know, network engineering, if you're on the help desk, every now and then the NIC goes down, the network interface card goes down. You got to figure out how to do that. You got to work with the network team. Now you can niche down and you can kind of start learning a little bit more about that. Learn about um, the root cause analysis of why it's not working. And that tells you like, okay, we're, we're supposed to be using IPv6 and not IPv4. What, what's the difference between the two? A lot of people will stop there. They'll just, they don't need to know that. They, just, they fixed it and they move on. But you, if you're trying to niche down, you're going to deep dive into the problem and then how it was solved, the root cause analysis. And then you're going to understand it. Maybe bust open a couple books, books, reading, watching videos, Learn more about that thing that you're trying to niche down on. 
That's another thing. Start doing that stuff at home. Um, then you'll start to recognize that you have been doing a little bit of that if you've been doing IT for some time. That's one way you can niche down. Another thing you wanted, you could do, what I did was I went from doing risk management framework, uh, GRC work, to I transferred into, I was just trying to try something else out. I, I went into cybersecurity analyst work for about a couple of years. And wow, what a way to niche down. So I found out I, was, I had been had some exposure to it, but not a lot. And then when I went into this other job where I was a junior, I was not like normally I'm used to like being in a position where people are offering me management position, all this kind of stuff doing GRC because I've been doing it so long. But now I'm like a junior guy whose people are teaching me and I have a mentor and all this stuff. But that's another way to niche down. And the one thing is to switch over to another job and then start doing that other thing. Sometimes in your actual company or organization, whatever, they'll have lateral jobs you can do to where you can kind of go into this or go into that to niche down even further. So those are just some of the things that I did that I found are effective, even for my peers that they've done, get those certifications in that niche, get that learning in that niche, do some stuff at, at home, transfer laterally, transfer to another company and recognize the stuff you're already doing in that niche. Hope that helps. Okay, let me see. I got some more questions on TikTok. I'm gonna kind of bounce back and forth here. I'm in accounting trying to switch to GRC. Um, in accounting, trying to switch to GRC. Um, the good news is if you happen to be in finance of any sort, there's a there's a real nice way to go to transition into cybersecurity because the financial sector um, has a huge need for cybersecurity people. Look into something called the CISA. There's there's a couple certifications you should look into. I'm going to name a couple certifications and then a couple of uh, frameworks. So certifications, CISA, C-RISC, and CISM. All of these talk about auditing, and they're they're really good for they're really good for auditing financial systems. And there's a lot of crossover between financial systems and cybersecurity. The, some of the auditing, um, the ideas behind auditing, some of the concepts of auditing are very similar to, I think even cybersecurity might have borrowed a lot of the concepts from auditing from the financial sector. Because the financial sector has been around for you know thousands of years, where cybersecurity is pretty new com by comparison. <clears throat> so that's one thing you should look into. Frameworks. Type in cybersecurity frameworks and type in SOX, Sarbanes-Oxley, SOX, SOX. Another one is called uh, PCI DSS. Both of these are very important to financial sectors because they are protecting the, they're protecting the financial information and the financial, um, the fiduciary um, responsibilities of the company by protecting the security of the systems. Um, they have things that are specifically designed to protect people's financial information. So look into those things. If you're trying to get into this, just like look into it. I'm not telling you to like do it. I'm telling you like look into it to see if that's something you want to do in the beginning. But there is a smooth transition from financial sector over to cybersecurity. But and those are two of the things, those two areas that you can look into uh, to kind of look into that. Um, let me see if I can find some other good questions here. What is an entry level position in cybersecurity? So if you're looking for an entry level 
uh, position in the cybersecurity, they do exist, but they're expecting you to know some stuff. And it's kind of deceptive because when they say entry level in cybersecurity, cybersecurity as a niche of information technology. That said, they're expecting you to know, they're expecting you to know IT in, gen uh, in general, and they're usually expecting you to have about a year or two of experience, but they're saying, oh, it's entry level. So it's very deceptive. That said, you can find stuff with no experience, but it's hard to find because remember, cybersecurity is a niche of IT. It's like, it's like if somebody said, I want an entry level surgeon job. You know what I mean? Like an entry level, they exist. Like there's an entry level surgeon job. But if you're a surgeon, you're expected to know, you know, like have X many years of basic biology or, you know, basic doctoring, whatever the hell. I don't know what the hell's called. It's not, that's not my, <laughs> but so it's cybersecurity is, is unique in that way. I'm not saying you can't. Maybe that's a poor analogy because you can find entry level, like with no experience, cybersecurity jobs, they do exist, but they're expecting you always to know something uh, to find it. What you would do is go on LinkedIn is a good site to, to do and then type in cybersecurity entry level. You'll find them. But then you want to take it a step further and filter on if you have no experience, no experience, no degree, no certification. There's a filter that will allow you to. To find those jobs there you can find them on linkedin on indeed on um, monster.com and on dice if i don't know if i already said that but those are all the the places that you can go look for those jobs do they they do exist they're just hard to find they're very competitive kind of like remote jobs they're they're there but they're just very competitive you, you can't just give up after 15 times trying like it's not going to take 15 times it's going to take a it's going to take 100 times if if a person like myself is having a hard time getting a remote job <laughs> and it's gonna it's really hard for the average person to get to get these jobs entry level with no experience and remote jobs there I've, I've noticed they're very challenging to get they do exist but they're challenging how do we find your book you said amazon yes so right now if you're trying to get my free book to trying to get an idea of what grc is about just kind of or just to help me out just to download it Go to the link if you're on link if you're on TikTok, go to my link on my profile. Go to my profile. There's a link there. The first link should be to go take you directly to that free book to download it on Kindle. And then if you happen to be on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, it'll be in the description. The link goes directly there. You can download it, take a look at it, whatever. You know, give me a two, give me a three, give me a four. A five would be best. I mean, that's like a high five. Bruce, thanks for these lives. That's that would help me out a lot. So I really appreciate anybody who's helped me with that over the years. It's making me into a legit author, author, and, and that's something I've always wanted to do. So you guys are actually fulfilling um, a young black man's dreams. <laughs> All right, uh, book name. Book name is um, it's. I've got it here on my screen here. Let me show you guys once again, so you know what the title is and what it looks like. But go to it's best thing is just to go straight on that link. It's cybersecurity program and policy using cybersecurity framework. And um, kind of a mouthful of a name, but there it is right there. And exactly what I'm saying, the, the title is the is the subject matter. And it's going to walk you through 
what is the NIST CSF and how do you use it to build a cybersecurity program, policies? And the best thing about it, this book, in my opinion, is all built around actual downloadables that you get on the site that's in the book. But also the book has appendix that will give you examples of what an access control policy looks like, what an incident response policy might look like, what kinds of things might you put in there if you were designing one. And that'll help. My, my focus has been on people who are getting into this for the first time, because I remember the first time I, I did GRC stuff, I was so lost. I'm like, man, they just kind of threw me in there and they were like, OK, go ahead and do it. And I'm, I had so many questions. And essentially, I had to go to the government. I'd go to FISMA and read it. And I don't know if you ever read a law or an act or a regulation, but it is so cryptic. It's written by a bunch of freaking lawyers. It's written by a bunch of like lawyer ass senators and Congress people who have to put all this lawyer speak in there and it loses its actual meaning after a while. Like you have to decipher what it is it's saying. So I had to do that when I first went in the GRC and it was very frustrating. And I just wished that somebody had just told me what the hell's going on. If they just sat down and said, okay, Bruce, here's what this means. Here's what's going on. Here's the big picture. You have an organization. They have to protect this asset. An asset is an important information or system. This system is important because it manages people's accounts. Here's the level of protection. Here's how we're going to protect it. Here's a firewall. The firewall protects you from this the, from the internet. Now we're protecting this inside internal information systems. I wish somebody would explain to me how that relates. The actual technical piece relates to actual documents that we have to do. Why do we have to do so many documents? And they could just say, hey, okay, Bruce, here's why. So what happens is you have this gigantic organization and people are coming and going. Resources are constantly changing. Systems and technologies constantly changing. Because it changes so much, we have to document. We have to kind of take a snapshot, a picture of what it looks like right now to capture the security of the whole system. So that way, if you leave, like you get out of the military, somebody comes in, they can just read what you wrote. They can just say, OK, this is what we're supposed to do on security policy. And that security policy also informs new people. When the new person comes in, you can say, OK, here's the user agreement. It's based off the policy. Like everything's tied together. I wish somebody would have told me that. Like in plain English, not the FISMA standard of 2002, not, you know, not the Privacy Act of 1974 that's now like irrelevant. Like I just wish somebody would just break it all down and explain why like a person, not like a lawyer, you know. <laughs> and that's what my books are designed to do is just like take all the stuff from FISMA, from Privacy Act of 1974, take that stuff and say, look. Here's what you need to do. Here's why you need to do it. Here's how you do it. Boom, done. That's what my books do. It's not academic. I'm not going into great detail. You know, it's really written by me. That's why you'll see mistakes in there and stuff. It's real. And it's my, you know, it's my two cents. And sometimes people come back and say, hey, Bruce, you spelled this wrong. <laughs> I'm like, oh, suck my bad. <laughs> Go in, change it, whatever. Um. Let me see. Okay, let me let me answer some more questions on YouTube. If you guys are joining me late, um, my name is Bruce. I do cybersecurity, mostly GRC. I'm not a hacker. I'm not, you know, anything special. I'm not. I don't know Python. 
you know, I don't know how to program or anything like that. I'm not some kind of guru that hacks databases or anything. You know, I'm not a PhD. I'm a normal dude. I have a bachelor's degree. I work from home. The special thing I say is I work from home. I make six figures and I'm teaching other people how to do this too. And in a way that's plain English in layman's terms. And I'm telling you, if I can do it, a poor kid from the real hood can do this and live this kind of lifestyle in a couple months, in a month from now, you're going to see me in other countries. I'm going to travel to another and I owe it all to cybersecurity. You're going to see me on in another country, chilling out, drinking my ties on the beaches and shit. And I, if I can do this, you can do it too. So um, let me see other questions here, other comments, questions. Peaceful protesters and indigenous people who are targeted based on beliefs. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing the context on that. Um, how do you get experience to nail down? Okay, I read that one. Let me see. Um, how do you leverage risk management framework in work working in Verizon? I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> Well, I guess I could without being. Um, how do you leverage risk management framework working in Verizon? So in Verizon, what I did was um, I was in something called the cybersecurity risk program. And we were consultants that would go and help other people to have to manage their level of risk across different sectors. We, we, we did it for for the financial sector, from the healthcare sector in other sectors, man, um, manufacturing sector, all these different sectors. So each one has a different framework. Some of them, like it's not always risk management for NIST 800, which is for federal systems. Sometimes it's ISO 27001, which is the international standard. It's very similar to NIST 800, by the way. Or sometimes it's PCI compliance. Um, there's different compliance uh, models. And so we would use those different ones to make sure, okay, let let's let here's where you guys went wrong. Here's what you can fix. Here's how you can make this better. You know, you you've improved from this quarter to this quarter. Let's see if we can fix this and that. And we would do that by doing assessments. So my main job was really an, an assessor and and um, and um, determining the risk based off of the assessment data that we would gather. Uh, let me see. KP55 says. I have a small student network lab. It's a P two PCs with a Cisco network switch with a Raspberry Pi with Kali Linux. Nice um, to help me learn cybersecurity, but I don't have a pathway to practice the cybersecurity concepts. Well, I would say that you are practicing many of the cybersecurity practice uh, concepts. Um, well, I mean, actually, there's a couple things you can do on that little network. What you can do is you can run a scan. So there's different types of scanners you can do. You can do the simple ones that are free, like InMap. And um, you can do. Uh, I'm trying to think of other free ones. Um, there was one called the sniffers that you can use, packet sniffers and things like that. But what InMap is going to do is tell you, like, what ports are open. So one of the best practices of cybersecurity is to manage the ports, protocols, and services. So if you run an in-map scan 
and I don't know off the top of my head what you what the command is. I'd have to Google it because I just don't use InMap very often. <laughs> I know it's space that InMap's IP space dash. Oh, somebody's going to freaking I don't want to say anything because people are going to be like, no, you don't. You use a dash S capital S lowercase. You know, I don't I'm not like super deep in InMap. So anyway, so you you can run InMap, look at all the Porsche protocols and services and see what's open on that piece those two pcs then you can go through and start closing the ports you can say okay port 21 is open why is port 21 open on pc1 you go in there you close those ports that what you're doing here is you're hardening that system which means you're putting the security features on that system that's one thing you can do another thing you could do is run stigs on it so stigs is a security technical implementation guides and those are put out by the department of defense dissa in particular and this free, like you can literally download that. Is let's say PC one has Windows 2011 on it, so you can go to the Stigs, and I don't know if the Stigs have Windows 11 just yet. I know they have 10 for sure. But you can go out there, download the Stigs, learn how to use Stig Viewer, learn how to use. So these are all security concepts that will help you out that you can literally put on your resume, by the way. And you have to figure it out. This is your your show. There's tons of resources on how to do this. Download the Stigs. The Stig viewer, figure out where the stick what what needs to be put on there. If you were to secure the system for the Department of Defense or for federal systems, these are the federal guidelines to how you do that. That's so that's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do is go through and do basic things like make sure that they have username and passwords on them. Make sure that you can do a scanner, run a scanner that will detect whether or not the the um that you could do a brute force attack on the on the um accounts that are on that system so there's a ton of security things that you can do on your tiny little network you can actually go into the cisco network switch and harden that you can do port security on it you can do backups on the actual security on the actual ios on the um on the config on the actual router or switch and back that backing it up is a disaster recovery that's also a security feature that you would want to have on a network so there's a ton of stuff that you can do to secure the network. That's what your mindset should be is, how do I secure this network? How, as an assessor, here's another thing you can do, another concept of cybersecurity is conducting assessments to determine whether or not the system is has any kind of weaknesses. Run an assessment using a scanner. You can get Nessus, Nessus is a scanner, a very high level, industrial level, enterprise level scanner for free. Like you think they give you like a 14 day trial. You can download it, put it on your little network, do a scan. It'll tell you, it'll break down all the vulnerabilities. Then you can kind of go through each one of the vulnerabilities of the, of the systems that it detected and say, okay, how can I secure this? How can I interpret what's going on? You'll see false positives on there. You'll see stuff that's irrelevant. You'll see stuff that's very relevant and you'll be surprised. You'll see it. It might even pick up things like, um, like uh, it can, if you give it the proper credentials, if you do a credential scan on it, it'll pick up all kinds of stuff, man. So those are just a few things that you can do on your network. But you're going the right way, KP55. That's awesome, man. That's more than most people do. Um, let me, before I go, any questions here, let me go to TikTok and answer some questions. Geek says, um, I'm going to WGU to get my computer science and bachelor's degree. Computer science, bachelor's degree, and master's in cybersecurity. 
how beneficial is this if I want to become a software security architect? That's that's incredible. That's really great, geek. Um, it's a really great start. Um, a, a degree. I know people crap on degrees all the time. And say, oh, you don't need a degree, whatever. Let me tell you something. So a degree is going to open up a lot of doors. The reason why is because in the market right now, and it's been like this for the past decade, a lot of times these organizations, your Northrop Grumman, your your uh, Googles, your your name a company, they get these gigantic contracts with each other, B2B, and with the government, with governments all over the world, actually. Most a good portion of their money comes from these gigantic B2B uh, contracts that they have. In the contract, normally they're looking for people with a certain level of education and a certain level of experience. You're setting yourself up to win because you're checking off a couple boxes. You're checking off your degree box. But as you're in college, what I always encourage people to do is get as much experience as you can in college. In college, you actually will meet people that are already getting working at Northrop, already working at Lockheed, or are looking for people, network with those people because you'll they might already even work there. Um, and then they'll say, hey, we got a job opening, whatever, right? And then you can actually ask them if they're already in the field, it's a great time to network and say, hey, how did you find this job? How do you, do you be surprised? They'll be very open about um, helping you out to get a position somewhere else. Get your, at your, uh, experience while you're in school. Another thing you can do is if you're on campus, which WGU is online, but if you happen to be on a campus, you can actually be a working student. A lot of times online um, uh, accredited colleges will have programs that will allow you to do apprenticeships and internships. So that's another thing you can do. Um, get as much experience before you get your degree. Don't wait. Don't just be like, when I get my degree, when I get my degree, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. No, do it now. Look for a job or a position or some kind of way that you can get experience now. Even I would even say even freelance. Like, Let's say you've been working at your degree for a year and you really know how to use InMap. Like, for whatever reason, like you had a class, you really know how to use it. You might even want to do freelance work and say, look, I'll run an InMap scan on your network and put it on um, – I don't know, Upwork or something. Get some type of freelance work with some company, some small company. Put your resume out right now. Start putting your resume out. Put your resume on LinkedIn, on Dice, on Monster right now. Now, if you're thinking, well, what can I put on there? I don't have experience. Well, for one thing, you're working on your math, your bachelor's degree. You could put that on your resume. You already have skills, right? You, you already been messing with computers. Maybe you know how to build them. Maybe you know how to program already. Put that on that resume. And then start actually applying, start applying for apprenticeships, for jobs, for all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not telling you to overdo it. Like you'll probably already have a job or something. You probably only, you know, maybe working all these extra hours or whatever. You got family, whatever. Try to work it in where you do these small little projects for organizations or for companies. Maybe even do it for free because that free work will you could put that on your resume and that resume experience is money for the future. That's just a couple of ideas, man. Just take it with a grain of salt, but you're going in the right direction. So that's awesome. It will help you out quite a bit, by the way, everything you're doing. Okay. Let me, let me go ahead and answer some more questions on 
YouTube. Um, let me see. Jay says, um, how do you, how does a business system analyst transition into cybersecurity? A business system analyst. What do, what do business system analysts do? Hold on. Let me, let me Google it real quick. <laughs> business system analysts do. Wait, what's their salary, first of all? Maybe you don't want to transition to this. Okay, that's median is, is pretty average. What do they do? Tasks. Hmm. Business analyst job description. A business analyst supports a company's efforts to ensure the business is running smoothly and effectively. Okay. Business analysts are typically required to review the current business practices. Okay. In order to identify areas of improvement and make plans to implement, um, implement those changes. So it sounds a little bit like you could probably transition into GRC work because um, GRC stands for governance, risk and compliance. So part of governance is getting into like the management of the system. Now, so for cybersecurity, we're focused on just one aspect of governance, which is managing the information systems. We're not talk. We're not really into the, you know, you, you'd probably as a business analyst be doing like working with HR department or like, you know, how much money the company makes or whatever and those processes that produce the actual objects and widgets and services. We are only concerned with making sure that those systems and services and widgets don't get hacked. So it's kind of like a narrow band. We're doing like a narrow band version of business system analysts, but we're just focused on just cybersecurity. So we'll look at things like we'll do like a gap analysis of where the where the organization needs to be for the cybersecurity and where they are. So where you might do a gap analysis on here's the money that we that we want to make for a fiscal year, whatever, and here's where we are and, and what kind of processes do we need to do to get from here to there. But we're just focused on cybersecurity. So it's just it's actually Sounds like my job is easier than yours, to be honest with you, because we're just focused on one part uh, where you you're working. You're looking at everything um, where our scope is like, you know, one part. So probably how would you transition? That's your question. Well, first of all, uh, I would advise you to know the basics of IT. So I would start there. If you know nothing about IT, I would start off with knowing the basics, like the common body of knowledge for IT. Now, if you happen to already be a geek, you're a gamer, you build your own rigs, you're a crypto guy who build your own rigs, you're a software guy on, in the back end, you design your own websites, then actually you have a leg up on a lot of people. You're already a geek, so that's good. So from there, you wanna start busting open books and reading, learn more, learn the terminology, talk to other IT people that are in the field. If you know nothing at all, then I always recommend people do A plus certification. That was my first, one of my first 
certifications will call the CompTIA A+, and it tells you the basics of information technology. If you don't know the basics, then start there. If you already know the basics, skip it. You don't need it. Um, so CompTIA A+, is two certifications. If you don't know nothing about IT, it's going to be hard. If you already are in IT, it's a waste of your time. Go to Security Plus. Um, so first step, learn the common body of knowledge. Just like in your field right now, business systems analyst, if somebody came into your field, they have to know the basics of business, right? The basics, there's a basic fundamental common body of knowledge that they really need to know. If they don't know nothing about it, it's going to be really hard to even tell them the basics. Once you build on the basics of information technology, you know, the basics of networking, cloud technologies, software engineering, uh, architectures for systems. And it's not that it sounds great. You know, it sounds like it's mathematical or whatever. It's not. It's pretty unless you want to go that route. You can go that route. It can get very it depends on how technical you want to get. But the thing is, cybersecurity is very broad. Anyway, let's say, you know, the basics. Now you want to start niching down like now you want to learn okay you might not even want to do cybersecurity. you might want to do network engineering you might that's what i wanted to do when i first started in it all i wanted to do was network stuff i i did not care at all about cybersecurity. i only wanted to do networking it just it was just intriguing to me but as i got into it i'm like networking is cool but this other stuff is cooler and i tried it i tried software engineering i hated it I just I'm not good at it. I hate it. I could spend three months on some shit. Another dude could spend three minutes on and do 10 times better. I'm like, OK, this is not for me. <laughs> so, you know, um, you got to find your niche. First step, find your niche, get into IT, find your niche. And if you like cybersecurity, GRC will be perfect for you because you actually already know some of the fundamental concepts of the G and the GRC. You already know a little bit of governance and probably even some compliance. So you'll be able to build off what you already know, but start off with basic IT. Um, let me see. I've got some stuff going on in. Um, you don't really need to report. You need to document. And that's slightly different thing. Okay. He's talking about what we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah, basically that's, that's not how espionage works. <laughs> how do, how would, I wouldn't even log into my personal email on a DOD network. Yeah, that's not a good idea. They see all that shit, man. <laughs> they see all that shit, man. They know all that shit. Yeah. FBI does not handle intelligence matters. Um, I don't know who it was who came in and arrested that guy. I, I really don't know. Um, more than likely, it wasn't FBI. It, it would have been um, it would have been Air Force OSI. Um, it would have been OSI who uh, who came in and handled that. I'm pretty sure OSI handles terror terrorism, and they hand then they would pass them off. To probably FBI or CIA or whoever. I don't know. Um, let me see.
Um, trying to join the conversation here. There's a lot of stuff going on here on TikTok, so I'm kind of just scrolling through. You guys are joining me late. My name is Bruce. Uh, you want some free stuff? Link in description, link in bio. Um, free book right now, downloadable on Kindle for a limited time only. I think till Tuesday. Then it's gonna. I'm gonna put it to like 99 cents or something like that for a while. This is normally how I launch my books. I'll, I'll write a book and then I'll shop it out to to uh, people on my newsletter and say, "Hey guys, I got a free book." Or I'll just give them a. I'll, sometimes I just give them a PDF of it and say, "Hey, evaluate this. If there's anything wrong with it, let me know." And so those are my my uh, advanced readers. And then I'll put it out to everybody, like I'm talking to you guys. And then it, it, I put it to 99 cents. Let it stay out there for a while. And the reason why is got to got to promote it and, and boost it up in the algorithm of of Amazon. And then finally, I, the full price comes out on the book. Some books do well. Some books don't do well. Depends on the market and what people want and if people like the book or not. But right now it's free. So go ahead and check it out. Do you think a data engineer with a cybersecurity degree can leverage that experience to find a job? Um, hmm. Let me see. Can a data engineer, it depends on what you, what do you do as a data engineer? Let me see. What does a data engineer do? Data, before I say yes, engineer, I need to know what a data engineer, what do they do? What do they do? I don't know what a data engineer is. Data engineer work in a variety of settings, building systems that collect, manage, convert raw data into usable information that data scientists can use. Oh, so this is, um, is this like a data analyst? So they're converting probably this. Some of the skills that, you know, might be able to be used in a seam. Maybe because you're using data from databases, right? You could probably go into database engineering pretty easily. There's a couple things like uh, if you're collecting, managing, converting raw data. You you might you might be be able to get into cloud technology and learn how the infrastructure, the back end of where the data you're pulling it from, the deep. So you might be able to get into DBA work, database engineering, and then um, and then uh, what's the other one? A cloud cloud uh, engineering might like it's a whole different thing. Don't get don't get me wrong. It's a whole different thing. But what I mean is, you're pulling that raw data from somewhere. So if you learn the infrastructure from which you're pulling that data from you might be able to build on top of the skills you already have because now you can be a back-end developer and a back-end man um, person maintaining the system and then also convert the raw data that you're pulling from to give the scientist or whoever decision makers their reports or whatever that i'm just just throwing spitballing ideas but it sounds like that'd be something you can do you could go from a data engineer or a data analyst to DBA and net, a little bit learning networking wouldn't hurt, you know, because a lot of times, a, you know, database is usually on a network. So you can learn that. And then maybe some software engineering too. Um, 
What happened to the sound? Is the sound off? Understanding double entry systems, the veil and private public settings. I'm going to school for my bachelor's degree in computer science and master's. Okay. I'm a master's student in cybersecurity trying to get a remote internship. Can you please help? Yeah, what? I, okay, so here's the question. Let me see if I can answer this one. I don't know how useful this will be to anybody, but somebody said that they are a master's degree student who's trying to get in a remote internship and can I please help? All right. So off the top of my head, it's going to be difficult to find it because the remote jobs already are hard to get. That said, it's not impossible, but most people just give up. They just give up. And I can see why, because even me with over 20 years of experience, it takes me a good part of two months to find a, a good remote job. I could find a any average remote job pretty fast, but if I want a good one that's going to pay me something I want, that's going to take me a good couple months, man, or more. So what I would do is I would go to, as a matter of fact, let me just do it live. Maybe I'm, I don't want to lie to you. I'm on YouTube right now. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. So they'll be able to see my screen. I'm not going to switch it over on in on link on TikTok. I'm going to try to do this on. I'm going to try to do this on Indeed. What I'm going to do is try to find a job, a remote internship job. I don't know if this is even possible, but we're going to find out together live. We're going to do it live. Hmm. Okay, let's get rid of that. Let's do this. And right now I'm looking at Indeed and I'm going to type in what was the job? He said he wants a cybersecurity internship job. You know what? Let's just first of all, what I would do is I'd look for any kind of IT job. I'd look for an IT internship job. Let's just let's go broad first and then we'll narrow it down, drill down. IT internship. Very, very broad. So let's look for that. Let's see what, what we can get. So that's pretty broad. So I don't know what these results are going to look like. But right now we're looking at 1,200 jobs. And it's I didn't specify a city or state. But right away, if you put a city or state in there, it's going to narrow it way down and kill that. All right. So first of all, I already found an internship for fall 2023. That's remote. <laughs> are you still watching man i don't know let me just show you this okay i switch the screen right now right away i wasn't even <laughs> oh wow look man all i did was went to linkedin um i mean i went to indeed so check this out that's it right there boom now keep in mind like 100 people are watching this and so they're probably going to also jump on this one. <laughs> but all I did was I went wide. I'm not I didn't put security. I didn't put cybersecurity. I just put IT internship. That's it. I didn't there's nothing. There's no filters in here. And um the first thing that came up was this job right here. 
IT security intern, fall 2023. So that's now. Let's see. Monday through Friday, 30 to $36 an hour. Let's take a look at this job. Um, there's the pay. It's an internship. Um, let's see how many people have already applied. Doesn't look like. Oh, yeah. A lot of reviews. So a lot of people have reviewed. I don't know if that applies to. I don't know if that's telling us how many people applied for this job, but. There's the skill set. There's the duties and responsibilities. There's the eligibility. There's when it starts. Look at this. Starts in September 2025. S September 25, 2023. It's in the Bay Area, but it's remote, so you don't care about what location. There's one. I mean, here's another one. Look. <laughs> here's, this one's also remote. This is from Harris, and this one's paying even higher than the other one, it looks like. Internship, remote. Um, SCCM. Um, here's what they're expecting you to have. Yeah, I mean, damn. There's another one. This is why, this is why college is still relevant in cybersecurity. In engineering, school is still relevant. I know it's not popular. It's not a popular thing amongst the Gen Z guys. It's because it's so expensive, and I don't blame them, man. It's it's prohibitively expensive these days. It's not nice. It sucks. The books are like $100 a piece. I mean, it's just stupid. There's another one. There's another one. These are not remote, though. Let's see. Let's just take it one more step further and look for just remote. Oh, okay. It's already set for remote. That's what happened. It was filtered. Okay, let's filter filter on just remote jobs. It, it had something else before. This is remote and hybrid internship. Here's another one. It doesn't look like that one's remote. This one's remote. Um, so, yeah, there's quite a few. That's all I did. Just go to Indeed.com. Probably work on Dice, too. If, you're hap if you happen to be in school, then internships uh, are always looking for students who are working on their degree. And so that's why school is still... You don't have to do a degree to get into IT, but it definitely helps, man. It definitely helps. And actually, it's just a time. It's it's what's really great about school is it forces you to just think of one thing and focus on one path. Because in life, I don't know if you notice this, but our attention is spread so thin, especially with social media, where we got all our attention is spread in many different directions all day long. With school, it's forcing you to focus on one thing and learn those concepts on one area. And you you start to build on that, that knowledge to where you can get better and better, stronger and stronger in just one area of expertise. And, and I mean, that's the idea behind it. And in that time frame, though, what you want to be doing is putting in experience, getting experience and um, maybe building your own labs, messing around on the back end. Right. Even out of school, not not just learn doing essays or compositions or writing pizza programs or whatever the hell they're doing these days, but also doing your own thing. Maybe having your own project, trying to start your own business, do, doing your own thing. Hope that helps. Um, let me see. Got some other stuff. 
Justin Williams says, um, I learned more about NIST CSF via the Google cybersecurity certification than I did when I was studying Security Plus. It went into the NIST CSF deeper, in my opinion. Wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, from Security Plus, I recall them mentioning cybersecurity frameworks. They mentioned CSF. They might have mentioned risk management framework, but they kind of, they it was very, very high level. And it didn't really go into it. I don't know anything about the Google cybersecurity certification. I've heard good things about it. Like it's an entry level common body of knowledge. I've never taken that one. So Security Plus is special to me because I used to teach it. I took two different versions of it. And then I, I used to teach it for a while. And then CompTIA, my, my, some of my first certifications were CompTIA. So those ones I can speak on, but I'm only just getting introduced to Google cybersecurity certifications. I've heard good things, um, including some hype where people like you take the certification, boom, you, you make a hundred thousand. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but I do, I do hear about people getting that certification and then getting a job, but not necessarily, I don't think it's true that you're going to get an entry level hundred thousand dollar job but then you know anything's possible but but yeah thanks for that information justin um he's saying justin's saying that he took the cybersecurity, the google cybersecurity certification and it went into the nist csf and if you didn't know nist csf is um is a framework and a framework is just a set of rules and standards for best practices for security and so this one is specifically uh, it was designed by the public and private sector, the government, parts of the government and the private sector came together and said, look, let's make something to protect the, inf the critical infrastructure. Because at, at the time, state sponsored hackers started attacking um, pipelines and attacking, going after schools and going after hospitals and going after like supply lines and stuff. And that's kind of what's been happening. So they made this comprehensive breakdown of how you can protect your organization it's not just for the federal government it's for any organization and the way they design it the real cool thing about the nist csf the cybersecurity framework is that it's it's breaking down critical functions that you need in every organization um what they do is say okay the first thing you need to do is identify all your assets, identify your assets, identify your business. What is what business are you in? You know, identify all those things, identify what risks you have based off of threats, identify threats that are out there that might attack you because there's certain threats that are more relevant to healthcare than they are to pri the private, the financial sector, for example. Financial gets hacked on certain things that healthcare doesn't have to worry about, and vice versa. So that's it. They get attacked on everything, but there's certain attacks that hit them. So when you're identifying them in this CSF, that's one of the things you're identifying is what are our threats? What risks are attacking our sector? Um, and then you're going to protect those things. Now that you've identified it, now you're going to protect those. Now, how do you protect it? You're going to do things like, OK, what level of encryption do we need? What parts of our system do we need encryption on? Do we have uh, things like access controls? Do we have auditing that's enabled on our systems. How do we implement those things? Do we have documentation to back that stuff up? Do we have an overall security policy that lets people know and documents everything we're 
everything we're doing? Do we have GRC in general? So now that you have, you've identified the threats, you've identified the things you need to protect your assets. Now you've, you're protecting them. Now the next thing is, what if, how do we respond? What's our incident response plan? If something happens to our organization, what are we going to do? So that's just having a plan of action. What are we going to do? First step, second step, how are we going to get rid of that virus if there's a virus in our system? What do we do if there's a denial of service attack? What if we do if there's an insider threat? Like in the story I told you about, somebody had took some secret information and then sent it to, you know, the ops. So what do we do if that happens, right? And then the last thing that it talks about is um, recovery. If we, not only are we going to be ready, but if we actually get hit and we have an impact, how are we going to recover? That's your data backups. How do we, how we tested our data backups? Can we, are we sure that we can bring up those data backups after we've, we've, uh, We've uh, backed those things up. Can we restore them? And then do we need an alternate site? So those are all the things, the basic things that an organization needs to have. And they have a, like a tiered structure of how you implement those things, meaning there's different levels of um, there's different. There's different levels of effort when it, whenever you're implementing those security features. So on the beginning phases, you might. There might be all we've done is acknowledged that we have these important systems and where they are. And now we have a plan to protect those. And then that's it. It's written down. But that's it. That's the first tier. Like we've done the bare ass minimum. <laughs> and then it goes all the way to the fourth tier where you've not only you've done way beyond the bare ass minimum. You've always improving. You have a training program that's in place. You are always looking for how we can make the training program better to make sure everybody in the field. So there's different levels of effort. That's another thing that NIST CSF talks about. So all of those things, and this CSF is is actually really dope. It's, I think it's the best. Um, I think it's the best framework out there because it encompasses everything. You can literally integrate it with all kinds of stuff. Let me see another question. Go to TikTok. Somebody said, okay, let me go to the bottom. I've got so many questions and stuff going on with TikTok. I'm just going to go to the bottom and start reading. Um, FPG says assignment or there's a whole conversation going. I'm, I'm like in the middle of it. So I don't, that's why I'm not reading that stuff because I don't know what the conversation is. <laughs> but something's happening in there on TikTok. Um, what's GRC job description? What's GRC job description? Okay, so there's something I can answer. This is a very fine line and defined thing that is a straight up question. Um, so GRC, first of all, stands for governance, risk, and compliance. That's a very broad statement. So governance is dealing with like management of information systems, making sure that you have things like security policies are in place and they're implemented effectively and the decision makers um, know the level of risk that they're dealing with. Um, and that integrates into risk. Risk is complete doing things like assessments, making sure you identify what risk and vulnerabilities you have in your environment and then how you're going to deal with it. That's risk. Uh, in a nutshell, is a lot more to that. Managing the risk, risk frameworks, all that kind of stuff go into the risk category. And, and those are managed by the governance 
piece. And then you got compliance. That's making sure that your organization is compliant. If, let's say Walmart. Walmart has to be compliant with something like PCI DSS, which means protection of credit card information. Um, they, you might have Northrop Grumman, if they have a contract with NSA, they would have to be compliant with a certain variant of NIST 800 that's protecting intelligence information. So that's a framework, and that framework is created from actual regulations that are coming down from the, the uh, in the case of PCI DSS, it's coming from the actual credit card companies, MasterCard, Visa, Amex, Discovery, all came together and say, here's the best practices that everybody needs to do. So that's compliance. You got compliance, you got risk, and you got governance. That said, there's many different jobs in this, in that umbrella. So you've got, in the governance side, you've got people who are cybersecurity, information system security officers, and information system security managers. Um, and they have their own set of tasks. And in the risk category, you might have something called a, a, an SCA or a security control assessor or an auditor. And all they do is make run scans and then determine what the risk is to an organization or give those risks to some organizations so that they can determine what the risk is. And then compliance. You have compliance officers, but you also have ISOs as well. You have information security officers who are also focused on compliance. So those are three different jobs. Those are three separate jobs that are doing three separate things that have crossover. There's overlap, but they are, they are different things that you're doing. Um, each one has different tasks. It's a very, very broad term. So let me see. F. PG is adding to this conversation. He says regulation is basically externally exposing, uh, imposing rules. Uh, what are they and who is accountable? Yep. Uh, compliance means the mechanic, the mechanisms to ensure rules work and are being followed. Exactly. Um, compliance is reviewed by audits and control teams. Yes. And so all of the, and the risk is basically rules and insurance. So all of these things, they all work together, um, but there's different jobs for each one of them. And I can give you a couple of examples. Right now, I'm in GRC. I'm doing a little bit of all of those things. And I've done each one of those jobs intimately. In my last job, I did risk. <clears throat> and in risk, what we did was I was, a, I was a cybersecurity consultant who did risk analysis. So I would go into an organization and I'd, we'd run a scan. I take four or five different scans across their environment, and then I'd have I'd take a look at them, and then I would determine what level of risk they were based off of some standard. And so that was my job. And so what what I did every day was I looked at scans. It was a lot of data, so I would look at data. It would come in. I would compare this bit of data to this other bit of data, and I I figure out what level of risk. Um, we had like a risk score, what level of risk they were. And then I would write out like a basic outline of what their risk was. And then I would present that to their CIO or wh whoever. And then, so that was that's a risk job. That's that was my daily job. I would set up meetings, run scans, evaluate, like I would analyze those scans, analyze that data. And I'd have to know the scanning system. I'd, we'd run uh phishing campaigns. So all that data, we put it all together and we did an analyze it and then we'd meet up with people. So that was my whole job. Right now, what I'm doing is it's combination of governance and compliance because 
governance, I'm writing, I'm helping to make sure that security policies are good. So I'll take, I'll look at a security policy and say, okay, um, do we need to update this? Something changed in the environment. What's changed? Okay, let's do a security impact analysis. What's the impact to this change that has happened? And so I have to look at it and say, okay, where, where are we at with this? I've got to meet with different levels of the organization to determine what level of risk we're at and how we can fix it. So how are we compliant with, say, FISMA or whatever compliance standard that we have? So those are three different jobs. And most of them, it's a lot of meetings. I'll tell you that. What That's one thing that's common with GRC is it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of documentation that sometimes you either have to write or you have to evaluate it or you have to modify it or fix it um, or update it. Um, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of logs. It's a lot of like looking at logs, not like sock analysts. Like they look at way more logs and they're looking at like trends of the logs. We're looking at, we look at logs to see if, if there's been a major change within the security posture of the organization. In other words, in plain English, we, we know that there is a certain vulnerability and we know we need to fix that vulnerability. Is it, have we fixed it yet? Or is it worse than it was the day before? That's what I mean. But when I say security posture, how many vulnerabilities do we have? Have we fixed them? How quickly can we fix them? So that that's kind of the thing that um, a lot of those jobs have, GRC jobs have in common. So I hope that answers your question. Um, let me see here. Got a lot of questions and comments and stuff going on on YouTube. Justin, thanks again for that great insight, man. I didn't, I did not know that Google cybersecurity certification actually touched on this CSF. That's great. I'm gonna have to take a look at that. GRC stands for Governance, Risk, and Compliance. Governance, Risk, and Compliance. And uh, F FPG goes into great detail in the comments about what, what each one is. Um, okay, Leslie says, hey, Bruce, can you help me to prepare for a security compliance analyst role? I sure could. <laughs> That's my specialty. Security compliance is my specialty. What is your, what framework are you doing? I can give you a couple resources right now. Justin said, um, I've been, I've been in cybersecurity analyst for a year. I took it, I, I took it to fill in the gaps. How you like it? How you like cybersecurity analyst work? I really liked it. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I really, it was, it was a fun, it was, it was everything I wanted cybersecurity to be. Unlike go governance is, is not what I expected cybersecurity to be. <laughs> but, but cybersecurity analyst work was everything I expected it to be and more. It was beautiful. It was, it was really fun. It was really fun. I'm just getting older now and I'm kind of like, don't care about being an employee anymore. <laughs> I've lost my fire, man. 
I just know stuff now. But holy crap, when I was when I was doing it, it was so fun. Um, Isaiah says, I just got an ISO position listening to di- to this. Really? Congrats. I would ask where, but I you probably shouldn't put that on and make it public information. Javier says, Hello, just came in. Do you have a link to your classes? Yes, so if you go to the link in description, I do have some courses that are online for those who are interested. Those who really want to go deep, you have you are thrown and thrust into this environment as a cybersecurity person. Go to I've got some discounts actually, some big discounts on a site called combocourses.net. If you go there, it'll be a link tree page and it'll have a couple of of uh, discounts that you can do if you're trying to do the the um, if you're trying to do the online class and it's just me talking about like going in greater detail about the NIST 800. If that happens to be not everybody does NIST 800, I know, but that's the thing I know the most. So I just did a whole eight hour course. It's an eight hour course with a downloadable book. It's you won't get through it in, in three months. Like it's a lot and it's, it's mind numbing. At least it's just, it's so much stuff. So <laughs> if you have, but the thing is, if you happen to be in a role where you're doing ISO 20, you're doing NIST 800 stuff, you need really need to understand it. You're in a position where it's just very stressful and people are saying things, you don't understand it. You don't understand what you're supposed to do. Cause that's what happened to me when I first got into it and it was brutal. So that's why I did the class. That's why I write the books. Cause I want to, I don't want you to go through what I went through. Oh, this is a good one. This is a great conversation for FPG. What do you think about this one, FPG? Listen. So Javier on Facebook, on YouTube, on YouTube, ask how AI fits into cybersecurity. What do you think about this one, FPG? FPG is uh, on TikTok. Looks like a cybersecurity guy. So I want to get his opinion. I want to get some. If you're a cybersecurity person, what is your opinion on this one? How does AI, artificial intelligence, fit into cybersecurity? And while you guys are putting together your um, thoughts, let me say mine. So it just came out. Um, it's Well, AI has been around for actually a long time. It's been out there for over a decade. But it's gotten to a point where everyone's using it and it's being implemented into every aspect of our lives. It's being... Implemented in search algorithms. It's really already been in search algorithm in some way, shape, or form. It's already been in um, algorithms that show you stuff like on Netflix. They, I think they, their back end has some sort of simple AI. If you play games, some of the NPCs have some sort of a simple AI. Um, everything. Your phone has simple AI. Basically, it's been in the back end. But now this generative generation of AI is a kind of a different level and all of us notice it. It's like it can understand English or it can understand Spanish. It can understand Chinese. It can understand Japanese and make sense and meaning out of the words that is put putting together. My take on it, it's it's going to change the entire landscape. It already is starting to. It's going to be implemented Generative AI is going to be put into tools like Splunk, tools like Kali Linux, 
tools like um, it's already been integrated. Uh, it's going to be put in every phone will have it. Everything is going to get upgraded with it's going to be like um, it's going to be like a browser, I think. Like a, you'll be able to put it, you'll be able to put in prompts and it's going to come back with some meaningful information uh, that's going to help you to get work done fa faster, doing more productive. Now, for people who, who say that um, they we should slow it down or whatever, I disagree and here's why. It's kind of like taking away guns. Me and my kids have this conversation a lot. They're like, Dad, I don't think that guns should be anywhere. I think we should take them away. And my thought is like, there's a there's a real good quote from from Boba Fett on uh, Star Star Wars where he says that laws are there for the just, meaning people who don't give a shit about laws are not going to give away their guns, but people like myself who do care about those laws would give away their guns. And all it does is arm the bad guys. So I don't think you should take away AI. Like, I don't think there's a way out of it. Like, we're it's done. Like, it's a done deal. You can't take away. You're not going to give get guns out and everybody suddenly going to sing Kumbaya. That's not going to happen in America. In the United States of America, it's not going to happen. I know I know that, you know, politically, we're, we're on all sides of the spectrum here. But AI is not going nowhere. It's going to get progressively smarter the best thing we can do is lean in and learn it that's what i think because even if we say okay we're going to stop using ai we're going to slow it down you think criminal hackers are going to not use ai are you out of your mind they're using it right now it's already being used there's already cases of people using ai to copy a kid's voice to extort money from the kid's parents their kid is at school imagine this your kid is at school and then you get a call from your kid saying, crying, saying, dad, mom, can you help me? They have me. They have me. Click. And then somebody else calls you and says, hey, I've got your daughter. I've got your kid. Um, we Wire us $100,000 at this time and date and you'll get your kid back. Right. This actually happened. What I'm telling you act literally happened, and what the what the criminal hackers did was they used an AI to copy this kid's voice, and then they split, they replay, they made the AI say whatever it wanted, and then had it call the mother to extort money. This happened. This is is terrifying, but this act this literally happened, and they extorted money out of the parents. AI is already being used, so we have to lean in as I. As IT people, as cybersecurity people, we have to lean into it. We have to learn it as quickly as possible and and integrate it into tools because it, it's an arms race at this point. Okay, let me read some people's comments on this. I asked you guys, what did you think about artificial intelligence and what's its role? Where does it fit into cybersecurity? And FPG says, um... Artificial intelligence is not a real thing. It's basically a way to hide remote work. Um, I disagree. For example, Web Translate features often hire foreign workers to literally translate them. Yeah, basically, it's an it's improv, in, improvisation. Um, and he goes on to say, it's a structured system of templates and skills to modify 
So I guess he has a different definition of what artificial intelligence is. But let me see who else what has a comment on what we're talking about here. The AI scams are crazy. <laughs> They're crazy, bro. What about the AI girlfriends? I don't know, man. I'll have a comment on that. I don't have, <laughs> I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> it's, I, I don't think it's good. <laughs> um, let me see. I'm reading more comments from people talking about AI. Um, somebody said fraud GPT, for example. I didn't even heard of that one. Uh, let me see. It can help automate some tasks, but not replace human judgment. Yeah, I agree with that. In full context, in formal, in a formal context, artificial intelligence is about being able to identify categories of things. I guess what I mean, uh, FPG, is like we can argue about the semantics of what artificial intelligence is. But what I'm saying is, what is the impact? Let's be more specific. What is the impact of something like a generative AI like ChatGPT that's now being integrated into search engines, into creating code? Into what do you think the impact of that? Where does it fit into cybersecurity? Let's just drop the name artificial intelligence if that bothers you. What do you think about generative the chat GBT and uh, tools like this being integrated or used in cybersecurity. Where does it fit in? Um, let me see. Basically they are in that sense. It's just looking up shit. We already know and feeding it back to you. Mm, I, I disagree, man. <laughs> I disagree. Um, resilience. Um, just, just want to know your book on NIST RMF is being spread across DOD. I must say it's extremely good. Learned a lot about this book. Keep wow, holy crap. That's awesome, man. I didn't it it scares me, but at the same time, because I put some real shit in that book. Damn. Man, I hope the Marines don't come after me. I said some bad things about Marines in that book. <laughs> shit hey if you're a marine i want to apologize in advance for things i said in that book i didn't mean it it's just a joke oh <laughs> uh, on the army too yeah i apologize i would like to apologize for anything i might have said bad about the army the marines and the navy but i had to take my shot <laughs> Oh, it's just comedy. Fraud GPT is an AI, is an AI generated chatbot to create phishing, false websites and text. It's new. Damn, I got to look that up. This shit's moving so fast, man. It's moving so fast. There's a, there's one called Pentest GPT. Yeah, and that one's I. It's going so fast. I don't. Even, I can't even keep up. I'm trying to write a book about like prompts, and it's moving so fast. AI is moving so fast. I can't keep up with it. Like you, it's useless to write a book about it because as soon as you come up with something, 
10 other new things come out. So I'm having trouble. I mean, it's useful. It's just, it's moving so fast that by the time the book is published, 15 other things have come out about it. And it's just, I don't know. It's crazy. Can you read my comment? Um, my earlier comment, do I need OS, OSCP to be competitive? Is that your question? Do you need OCP to be competitive? Let me see. What kind of salary am I looking at? Okay, and then your first question was, thoughts on ex-military. I'm going to get my master's in service. I've been in service for eight years, pen testing nation states. And do you? And your question is, do you need OCP to be? And you have eight years of service. Did you do Miyagi? Okay, let's 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 deep dive into this. So you got eight years of service. Were you a cybersecurity person? Were you a defender? What did you do in the military? So first of all, OSCP is a great certification. So if you're gonna get it, do it. But it depends on what you're trying to do. Uh, if you're trying to just do straight up pen testing, OSCP is probably the best pen test certification you can get. That said, I know people talk mad shit about the CEH, but the CEH is super, is super competitive, bro. It's super competitive. S Listen, hackers don't respect it, but HR departments do. They know what it is. They don't know what OSCP is. So um, that's another good one. I heard CEH is just for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a good entry level introduction to, to ethical hacking. I don't, you know, but if you're like really a hacker, like for real, the, yeah, it's offensive security all day long. Um, yeah, OSCP is if that's what you want to do. Um, Offensive cybersecurity targeting foreign targets. Yeah, um, OSCP would be a great move for you. It's if that's what you want to keep doing on the outside, I would say yeah. Like if you're if that's if that's really what you want to do, you want to be hands on. But if you have eight years of experience, what you might want to consider is doing management. Because with eight years in the military, what you have above anyone else, right when you get out, that you don't realize is leadership ability because that's one of the things the military does for you um, on a whole different level that many organizations, top tier, world tier organizations don't, are not going to give you, that the military gives you a lot of, and I think this is slept on, is, ma is management and leadership abilities because they force you into these roles where you had to make huge decisions with multi-billion dollar projects from time to time. So... What salary am I looking at though? Cause I'm making, I'm, so I'm trying to tell you. So, so if you, if you're trying to make a bigger salary, um, if you try to make a bigger salary, you probably want to go into Lord more of a, um, a management type role. And you already have a ton of experience as a management type person doing, um, high, high target, um, type stuff. As far as what you're at right now, I mean, what kind of, money are they making let's see ethical it this is not my field but i'll do my best um i'm not i'm not like a pen tester i don't really know that 
at um, area. So pen testing, pen test, I don't even know what jobs. I don't even know what they're called. I don't even know the names. So maybe we'll ask everybody. So I'm sure there might be some pen testers in here. So I want to ask you guys to ask the chat. So I've got a serviceman with eight years of experience, and they're looking at getting out and possibly doing the OSCP. And they're wondering what's their what what direction to go next. Should they do the OSCP? Should they do something else? He says, appreciate the help, man. Does the OSCP really matter, though, if I'm trying to go management? That's what I'm trying to say. So I'm, let me ask the chat, like, what do you guys think? Like, what direction should he go in? If, if he's trying to make that money, which direction? I think you probably want to go management and OSCP. I don't know how it's going to help you on that. That said, it's a professional level cert. So any professional level cert is going to help you out a lot. It's going to help you out a lot because there's jobs that actually make better money than managers like architects. Um, architect type positions where you're managing the infrastructure of like a team, like how the team is going to implement certain attacks, something like that. Um, an OSCP is very, very well respected. It's a professional level cert. It's on a whole different level. Let me see how much these jobs make. I'm kind of looking it up right now as we're talking. Maybe somebody in the chat can answer this a lot better than me. There's a couple people in here who are uh, who are in this field. I'm I'm. I'm I'm a GRC guy. I'm not really a uh, an offensive security guy, so I don't even know what what they're called. I don't even know what you guys are. What's the names? <laughs> uh, let me see. I'm looking it up now. Remote offensive security consultant. Consultants make good money too, by the way. And OSCP will give you that that edge on consulting. That's another thing. Uh, let me see. Pen testing, remote. Penetration tester, remote. Consulting. Pen tester, red teamer, offensive security engineer. These are all OSCP type positions, by the way. I'm looking for like how much they make. One place you can check out is uh monster monster has a salary tool that you might be able to check another place is payscale.com and salary.com and i'm gonna put salary i want to follow along i'm on google and type in salary of oscp oscp okay so OSCP average salary. I don't know if this is what we're looking for. Let me show my screen real quick. Whoops. Oh, man, did I just kill my... All right, so here's kind of what I'm looking at right here. I just typed in salary OSCP, and hopefully this is the type of... I don't know if this is right. Let's just deep dive into this so oscp might be referring to something else so let's just try something else here 
because OSCP, okay, 12 job identified. I don't know if this is talking about, I don't know if this is the OSCP we're looking at. So let me just say pen tester. Pen tester. Pen tester. Let's change the location. Let's change the location here. Let me show my screen. Um, pen testers, no pen testers. Let's see. How about um, offensive security? How about red team? Red team. Come on, bro. I don't want this. Red team. I'm just looking for, okay, this is a false positive, false positive, false positive. This is not looking for anything we want right here. Yeah, this is not helpful. Not helpful at all. Okay, I'll just keep looking. I'm looking for the, this is not my field, so I don't know what you would even call them. Yeah, ZipRecruiter is not like, I I think it's me. I'm not looking for the right name. Um, red teamers, red team, red, red team, red team, red team jobs. Ethical hackers. They don't normally call it ethical hacking. They usually call it like red team, something like that. Let me see here. Senior red team. So this is making between 100, 100 and 150. And let's say in Virginia. Um Senior lead, red team engineer, red team security engineer, red team slash penetration tester, senior red team operator. I know there's other names. I just can't think of the actual. Help me out here, guys. What other names, what other title, job titles do you know of? Red teaming. Ethical hack, they don't normally call it ethical hacker, but that's kind of what we're aiming for. Pen testers, penetration testers. I know one field you can get into is assessors. I mean, as an assessor, um, these skills are highly sought after, the skills you have. But I would say one thing you could do is if you're trying to do management type positions, there's a couple of professional level certs that I know are going to pay you and give you a broader, cast a broader net. One will be CISSP. One will be CISA. Another one will be uh, C-RISC, um, CISM. These are certs that are not as, they're not as, when you say OSCP, it means something, right? It means like you're a badass hacker. When you say CISSP, that's a high level certification so that that does mean something but it doesn't necessarily mean you're a hacker 
You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you're trying to make money, I would say go for a management type position. This is just my two cents, Miyagi. I would say go for a manage, get out of the military if you're already, if you're already out. Focus on like a management type role and do um and do like a CISSP, a C a CASP CASP, a C risk, or a CISA. And the reason why I say that is because those certifications are not gonna pigeonhole you. It's gonna allow you to do other things. Like your skill set is in is in pen testing, but those certs that I just named will broaden broaden what you're able to do and therefore give you access to more high level jobs and management positions which pay more. And with your with your master's degree, a CISSP, a CASP, a C risk, or a CISM, one of those types of certifications. It will open up other doors like there might be assessor or auditor jobs that need a pen tester that are not necessarily doing the same thing you did in the military, but they pay more, you know, and they're and they're remote. So I would say unless you like just want to do hardcore hacking and you want to be in the weeds, OSCP. Which which is dope. I mean, OS, don't get don't get me wrong. One of the top cybersecurity guys on this platform on TikTok, it has an OSCP. He got a master's degree. He had an OSCP, and now he's making six figures. He travels the world. He's one of the top. If you right now, if you go on TikTok and you type in cybersecurity, the guy's name is Chris. Cybersecurity space Chris OSCP. You'll see the guy. That guy's the top guy on TikTok. And um, he's got a lot to say about OSCP and um, probably not what you want to do. From my perspective, coming from the military into the civilian world, knowing what I know about what you said, what I would do is I get that CISSP or that CASP or C-RISC um, or CISA, any one of those. Um, and then I would shoot my my shot wide i would put a i would cast a net wide i would look for auditing jobs assessor jobs pen testing jobs ethical hacking jobs whatever they're calling it these days red teaming jobs whatever and then it's gonna make it so that you have more options it's and and that's what the name of the game is it's a numbers game the more the more this market you can target, the better. The more people will reach out to you, and then the more opportunities you have to pick and choose what you want. That's where I'm at right now. Like right now, I've got so many people contacting me, and not all of those opportunities are for me, to be honest. Like not all of them line up. Some of just random technical recruiters contacting me. But I've got so many people that I could just keep going through my list and saying, okay, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? This job's remote. This one pays X. Um, I'd have to move another state, but that'd be cool. This one's in another country. Somebody offered me a job in Montenegro. And I was like, what the hell? I looked it up. And Montenegro's kind of fire. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a pretty good job. I mean, they were paying pretty good. So hope that helps out, man. 
Would you recommend the Google cybersecurity certification? Actually, yes. Actually, yes. If you're a new person getting in this field, somebody on YouTube just told me something amazing. And they, they said that they had, they'd taken the cybersecurity from Google. And he said that it covers the NIST CSF more so than the Security Plus. And I, that is very impressive. That's very impressive. That said, it's not the most marketable certification. What I mean by that is when you look for jobs on Indeed, on LinkedIn, most of the job requirements are not looking for a Google certification, a Google cybersecurity certification. It just doesn't have a lot of traction just yet. Um, so I'm brand new to cybersecurity. Um, have you done IT before? Is IT your background? Because I would I'd probably say that Security Plus is more marketable. I was I would say cybersecurity. No, it's not. Okay. So probably if you're starting off for nothing, you want to go to an entry-level certification. This is I, this controversial, like some people are gonna tell you to go straight for a something like a, a CCNA or some shit like that. Or something. <laughs> not me. So I'm gonna tell you if you have no experience with IT, start from the bottom. Start from the beginning because you need to know the fundamentals first, I would say. I don't know enough about the Google cybersecurity certification to know if that's a good entry-level cert. But I do know that Google has an entry-level cert called the Google IT support or something like that. So maybe maybe try that one. Um, let me see. Okay, I got a lot of questions and comments here. Somebody said... Uh, can you please highlight a path from no qualifications to certification to labs? Um, seventh power, I would change up your paradigm. I would shift it up. So I would say, I would say what you want to do is probably get a degree if you can. If a degree is an option, I would say go for a degree, um, any kind of computer degree. Information technology, information systems, science, uh, computer science. Any one of those will do. A bachelor's would be best, but associates will do too. The reason why I say that is because the money gets more options are available once you have that degree in your pocket. Also, you get internships, apprenticeships. There's more opportunities to start to kick off your career. I know it's expensive, but there are some options for you. There's online universities like w, uh, WGU, which I don't think is super costly or expensive. And you can get a certification while you're working on your degree, your bachelor's degree. It's a great investment in yourself as an engineer. If you're trying to make this career, if you're trying to make this a career and you're trying to be an engineer, you're going to need a degree at some point. If you're trying to level up and you're trying to do this for long term. And you don't want to get stuck in the help desk for f 10 years. You're going to have to you're going to have to think strategically. And that's think like an engineer. I need an, a degree. And then I'm going to get a certification and I'm going to build while I'm doing that. I'm going to build on my 
um, experience. Let's say you can't get a degree. Let's say that you you can't afford it. You don't have time. You got three kids. You're a single father, single mother, whatever. I, I get it. I get that. I get that. You can't do WGU. You just don't have the funding right now, maybe in the future. You want to go the certification route. So here's a problem with that. You can. I'm not saying you can't. But the issue is there's tons of people who contact me on these on the chat saying, hey, I have a security plus, but I can't get a job. And then I say, well, what's your experience? They say, I don't have any experience. I'm in retail. I'm a, I'm an auto mechanic. I don't have no experience. But the I have a, but I have a I have a security plus. I have a security plus though. They're having a hard time getting in the field. They're having a hard time because most of the the reason why they're having a hard time is because not because they're not smart. It's not because they don't have talent. It's because they don't have experience. And so the people who are employers want you to hit their ground running. They have a business to run and they they really need somebody to manage that firewall. They really need somebody to come in and and start putting patches on their systems. They really need somebody who knows what they're doing with Nmap. They really need they really need you to know this stuff. So experience is the best way to to know that. The the offset of that who they're willing to take a bigger risk on is somebody with a degree. Because that means that person really spent a lot, a lot of time working on their craft. Um, that said, you can find a job with that you only have a security plus and you have no experience. You can't, those jobs exist, they're just harder. They're usually local. They're not gonna typically not gonna be remote. They're probably gonna be competitive. Um, did I mention they don't pay a lot? Um, so, you know, that's what you're dealing with. Can you get them certificates? And then you said, what's the path? Highlight a path from no qualifications to a certification to a lab. Yeah, I, I would rephrase that whole, <laughs> you know, I would think about that whole that whole thing differently. Like there's this idea that you're just going to get a certification and then you're just going to get a job. And I'm trying to tell you, like, the path forward is is to get the experience. To start off with get – what am I trying to say here? You got – first step, know the common body of knowledge. That means know IT. How, does, how do computers work? How do they work on a network? That weeds most people out, to be honest with you. They're like, I can't hack stuff? <laughs> I want to be a hacker. Like, I want to immediately be a hacker. If you're trying to get in this field and get a job, I'm telling you how to do that. I'm not saying that you can't be, you know, Elon Musk or somebody write a code, a PayPal code, and then do your own business. Sure, go for it. But if you're trying to get a job, you know, um, <laughs> then I'm telling you, you got to know the common body of knowledge first, which means you got to know basic information technology. And then build from there. And then as you're learning basic information technology with a certification like an A-plus certification that might not get you a job, like the best job in the world, but you're learning it and you get your, your foot in the door at a customer serve, technical te customer service job local in your area or help desk job or something like that. And you don't have a degree or anything, but you got your foot in the door. Now you got experience. So somebody else on here said she was on the help desk and had 
She says, uh, or he, I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't know the Mr. MJ2 Rich says, um, let me see. I thought they said they were on the help desk, but I was wrong. But the job besides help desk, security plus, I'm in right now. Okay. I, I missed your whole conversation. <laughs> I was trying to integrate you into this conversation. So anyway, I hope that that, that helps. Um, I, I'm giving my best, my best advice here for somebody with no experience. It's, it's difficult, but it, it is possible to do. Um, there's people on all over social media who are, who are, who are doing it. So, Hey Bruce, I'm transitioning in three months from Air Force Cyber. Any chance we can connect on LinkedIn? Yeah, sure. Um, go to my LinkedIn page and um, talk to me. I got a lot of people talking to me, to be honest. Like I get, I'm getting like scores and scores and scores of people sending me emails and messages. And it's just, I got a full-time job and a business and a right full-time. So I am a very busy man. I'm a very busy man. All I do is, all I do is grind. The only time I have free is like right now. And, and look what I'm doing. I'm on three different, four different platforms doing a live for two hours. I'm a busy man. But yeah, I can tell you right now, if you have a question, Gino, right now I can answer it. But I can't promise I'm going to get to your, to your question within the, the next couple of days if you send it to me on LinkedIn. Say, hey, Bruce, I'm transitioning in three months from Air Force Cyber. Any way we connect? Okay. So I actually connected many, many years ago. I mean, I actually did exactly what you're doing. I transitioned from the civilian and from cyber. I was a 3CLX1. Now it's called 3D something or I don't know what the hell it's called now. Air Force always changing shit. So I got out of the military. What I will say is this. You need to change your number one, change your resume. Um, change your damn resume. So your resume, you have a resume, first of all. <laughs> when I was in, they had this thing called Air Force Transition, uh, where they transitioned you from military life to civilian life. Go to that. Don't skip it. They have a resume, excuse me, they have a resume writing program, or at least they did when I was in. And one of the best lessons I learned I was able to translate into, into three into into three books. Uh, it was very, very useful to me. And um, those books, if you want to check them out, like I walk you through everything I did. But in a nutshell, I could tell you. So make sure your resume reflects the current market outside of the military. You can't use a bunch of military jargon. Case in point, the Air Force has a bunch of jargon that that army guys won't understand the navy has stuff that even the air force doesn't understand so don't use a bunch of their jargon use the market the keywords that are in the market right now doing cyber doing cyber security doing whatever your your niche is in in uh cyber security the other thing i would say what else do you need to know oh you got three months left i would get a degree so if you're like, well, Bruce, I don't have a degree. So if you've been in the Air Force, this, this shocks me. A lot of military people don't know this. But if you've been in the Air Force for a while, like even one term, you probably already have a degree. You're probably a couple months away from a degree. What I mean is all of the, the basic training you went to, the 
the training school you went to and all the other subsequent training schools you went through, all of that counts towards a degree. Like they give you credits. The Air Force has something called the Air Force Community College, Community College of the Air Force. You need to go talk to a counselor and ask them how many credits you have. And they'll take all your experience from the military and all your training, all your basic training, drill instructor, all that stuff. And they'll condense it into what you might already have a degree, associate's degree at least. And then if you don't, you might be like six credits shy of a degree. And all you do is you can test out of it. You, there's something called a CLEP, a CLEP and a Dante's, which is basically a test you take. And it'll give you those three missing, six missing credits that you have. And uh, CLEP stands for, I don't remember what, CLEP exam. Okay. I did so many, so many years ago, college level exam program. So let's say you need credits in English. So they'll have a CLEP for English and you can just take that test, study for it, take the test. It's not that hard get the three credits. You fail it, you can take it in a couple months later. And let's say you get out of the military, but you, you're six credits shy of an associate's degree or whatever it is. You can just clep. You can still clep. Like it's not dependent on the military. Clepping is something anybody can do. So anybody in the America can do for your degree. So get a degree, fix your resume, Put all the experience on your resume. I'm sure you have tons of experience. And then if you can, maybe if, if you don't even want to do that stuff, at least get a certification before you get out. I would recommend a Security Plus as a safe bet. But if you've been doing this for, I will say if you've been doing this for like five years, go for a CISSP. I primarily work, I'm primarily going to be into GRC. Do you have advice on how you got into it yes um so yes 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 so um are you familiar with risk management framework rmf for dod are you familiar with rmf for dod it yes so then you already have grc experience um are you familiar with, um, oh man, you know what? I've been doing this so long. Okay, so Air Force, I'm trying to remember what the Air Force's um, security uh, policy is called. Do you remember, what was the Air Force's security policy called? Is it Air, Is it AFI 33101? I can't remember what it, what it is. I know the Army, it's AR-25, AR-2-25. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that's, that's GRC as well. Governance, risk, and compliance. It's very, it's very tied into the, uh, the security policy that the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy, all of them have one. So if you're familiar with that, you've already done GRC. So you can put, what I'm trying to say is you can put that on your resume, that you've already done GRC. They don't even use the term GRC in the keywords, by the way. They'll use things like NIST 800. So here's my advice. Here's my advice. Go to Google and type in NIST 800 RMF. You're going to see a bunch of my content. Ignore that. <laughs> unless you want to read it. I mean, unless you want to be very well educated on this. But 
I'm trying to get you to go straight to the source. So type in uh, type in NIST 800. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do it live. Copy what I'm doing here. I'm just going to go ahead and do it live. Show you guys what I'm, what I'm talking about. All right. So I'm going to I'm on Google. I'm going to type in NIST 800. This is a key word. That's why I'm telling you to type this in. NIST 800. This is this top search right here is a site you want to go to. I got tons of stuff on this. I got books and stuff that'll break it down easier. But right now I just want to I want you to take you to the source first. So NIST 800 is going to take you to this site right here. This is a NIST government website. And so what you're going to do Oh no, this is not this is not the best one. Let's go to NIST-37. There's a rhyme and a reason for why I'm telling you to do this if you want to know GRC and what keywords to use and why. So go go ahead and go to NIST 837 Rev2. This right here is what you want to read. It'll make sense in a minute. Download this document right here. This document right here, it doesn't seem like much, but this mug, this mother effort was going to get you straight up paid. Paid, paid. All right, here's why. You've already been doing GRC. And so what it took me a while to realize is how much GRC I was doing. Because I, I didn't know. I had I had no idea. In the military, I, I'd been doing it for like a couple years. And it's so valuable outside because not a lot of people know how to do this, but it's very, very... There's a high demand for it, but there's not enough people who know how to do it. So it's a high demand, but very low supply. And that's why, that's why my books are selling. That's why I'm all, I'm, so many people are looking for our skill set. Not many people know how to do this stuff. And it's the same thing with PCI compliance, Sarbanes, Ox. There's like four or five different frameworks and nobody is doing it. Anyway, my point is there's a high demand for it, but there's not enough people doing it. Now you already know how to do this. Because you've actually already been doing it. You just didn't know you were doing it. So read this document. It's NIST 837. And um, once you start reading it, you'll start to recognize it. You'll start to be like, okay, I, we did do this. Because what happened is the Department of Defense and all the whole federal government went to one standard. And it's called the NIST 837. The controls that they use is called NIST 853. There's like a thousand controls. Um, the Navy, the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, NASA, name a federal organization, and they're using this. But they have their own flavor of it. Army has a policy called AR 25-2. Um, and all it is is the NIST 837 in their own words. The Air Force has, I don't know what it's called anymore, 
Um, I, I, I don't I don't recall what the Air Force is. I haven't worked with the Air Force in a long time, but they have their own version. It's it's a policy that all the Air Force has to use and all the branches and all the little like Air Force Weather Agency and Air Force AFN or whoever. All of them use some variant of air, of NIST 837. The reason why I told you to read NIST 837 is because it's like <laughs> once you put that shit on your resume, man, uh, you will get calls. You will be contacted. But you you should read it first because you need to be able to translate it from what you were doing in the military to the outside. Does that make sense? Like you need to be able to take what you were doing in the military and 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 explain that in layman's terms. Because what's happening is a lot of the a lot of the contractors who all these people organizations who have contracts with uh, GSA, NSA, DOD, Department of the Air Force, NASA, name an organization. There's thousands of smaller companies and organizations that have b2b or business to government uh contracts with them and they need somebody like yourself who has experience with them to translate it to translate their this network or systems or services that they have to um to 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 work with the arm the army or the air force or marines or whoever and they pay pretty good and they look they definitely like military ex-military people that said you don't have to be a next ex-military stuff if you just read this nist 800 and you have some background in any kind of framework at all you you could probably land a job doing this because they're hurting really bad for this we did we just can't find every place i've gone to we don't have enough people doing the work and they can the reason why mostly is because they can't find people to do it because either people don't want to do it all the good guys are being paid all this other money, like a whole bunch of money somewhere else. This is not enough of us to do the work. And so it's really hard to find right now. The job I'm at right now, we don't have enough people doing the work. Like that means that person like myself who's working there has to do more, which sucks. And then the last place I was at was the same thing. So that's what I would do. I would read NIST 800. 37, I would understand it, see how it relates to what I've already done, put that shit on my resume. I understand NIST. I've used NIST 837. Put it on your resume. The NIST 837 is a huge keyword for, for GRC. That's just one of many keywords, by the way. Like if you work in the hospital industry, there's one. HIPAA compliance. If, there, if you work in financial sector, there's one there too, Sarbanes-Oxley, PCI-DSS. If you work in retail, PCI-DSS. If you work in, name one, like all of them have some framework and, and none of them can find a person to do this work. And right now there's a recession, supposedly, or whatever. But And there was one in 2008, and I'm telling you, I've not been without a job. I probably do better in recessions than I do I probably I'm and I'm not trying to brag. I probably do better in recessions <laughs> than um than when the economy's going well. I'm just always employed. 
And then during a recession, all the prices go like for things change and I'm still making money, but everybody else is broke. So I don't know. It's 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 awesome. Actually, it's it's re it's really been good for me. You know, I'm not saying having a recession is awesome. It sucks. But I'm saying is I always have a job because I'm doing GRC stuff. I'm doing cybersecurity. There's always a need for it. It's been it's been incredible. It's been an incredible win. No matter what's going on in my life, I always have employment. I always have money. I'm always good. So. They keep saying how boring it is. <sighs> boring makes money, y'all. Boring makes money. But, you know, a lot of people keep jumping on here talking about pen testing or or whatever. And I'm, I'm not knocking pen testing. I think pen testing is fire. That um, It's fire, especially if you have a, you know, like um, Miyagi on here is a pen tester. That's dope. I'm not knocking that. But people don't talk about GRC stuff. And I'm just telling you, like, it's it's there. Like, you can, you can do your thing with GRC. Like, it's – I have not been without a job. Cybersecurity is not just hacking. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's not just hacking. Let me see. I got a comment on YouTube. Somebody said – You're speaking on a on a subject our culture really knows nothing about, or run for some or run for the hills because it's a beast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, people don't know about this one, and it's uh, it's too bad. I can't believe how the DoD lives and breathes the NIST RMF man ATO. This man, this man, this man's been doing this for a while. It is insane, and it is a secret gym. You know, I think that it, I think that the entry for this is also pretty high. It's it's high on several different levels, and so here's another reason why this is a fire. GRC is fire. There's the it's like it weeds out so many people. Number one. One of the biggest competitions that you have in IT as a software engineer is is freaking India because the Indians are brilliant at software engineering. Like they're, <laughs> I mean, they're just, I don't know what the school, I don't know if they have, they must have something out of Harvard there. So I don't know what's going on, but they are about that software life. But the, the problem is this this person who's a brilliant engineer comes here and is willing to take half the money that an American will take. So number one, with GRC jobs, mostly you have to be an American. You have to be you have to be eligible for some sort of a clearance. Not to say you always have to have a clearance. There's jobs I haven't had to have clearances. A public trust is not a clearance. I've had a usually they'll do a public trust, but that's not the kind I'm talking about. And and Indians or whoever foreign nationals can have a public trust. So what I mean is there, most government jobs only take people who are eligible for a clearance, which it, it immediately weeds out people from India, people from China, people from – if you are a foreign national, you can't get these jobs. You can't do it unless you're 
already a U.S. citizen, you're a green card. I think maybe some green card holders might be able to get an interim something or other. I don't know. But for the most part, it weeds them out. Gone. Right. That thins out the herd right there. Then you've got people who are very smart at IT. Who are engineers, who are mathematicians or whatever. The problem with them is they don't know how to talk to people. So that weeds them out like they don't want to do this because you have to talk. I have to talk to C-level execs. I have to talk to managers. I have to talk to technical people. Sometimes I have to talk to the customer. The typical technical dude who's a mathematician don't do does not want this smoke. They don't want to do it because it's boring or they have to talk to people or whatever. So that weeds them out. Who else gets weeded out? I prop that's it. Like though if you weed out all those people, like the people who don't, who just are just want to do technicals, the gearheads, they get weeded out. And then you have anybody who's not eligible for this, they they're weeded out, right? And that's not to say you can't. If you're a foreign national, there's things you can do. You can do PCI compliance. You can do, um, you can get a public trust. You can even do NIST 800, but you have to do it for an organization that, that doesn't need, require a clearance, which is, it it exists. When I was at Verizon, they had stuff like that. So, um, but if, but most of the jobs are government. So, it just it just weeds out a lot of people. Okay, let me see. I work the help desk at Verizon. Oh, really? How is it? How's how's it um, going? Yeah, I worked there for a couple years. I was a um, cybersecurity, boring, ready to get into more technical role. That's awesome, man. Just get into it. You've got some experience under your belt, which is more than I could say to, for a lot of people. So you're very, very lucky. I don't have a GED certificate or any kind of certificate can i get into cybersecurity? well abdul i would say the first thing you want to do is just is focus on learning the common body of knowledge for it i would go ahead and get a ged um your first step your first step step number one i would say get a ged there's just no excuse i have a ged abdul i have a ged i, I never graduated high school my high school dropout by the oh yeah by the way guys I'm a high school dropout. I make I make six figures. I work from home. I travel the world. Not at this current job because it's a government job. Blah, blah, blah. I can't take the laptop. But I'm doing quite well for myself. And I have a GED. I make more than most Americans. And I, I'm a high school dropout. I'm not telling you to drop out of high school. It's a bad idea. But what I'm doing is saying, Abdul, what you need to do is get the GED. Go ahead and get it. The reason why is because not having it immediately limits you from a lot of jobs where it'll say, hey, you have to at least have a GED. Number one, that's the first thing you should do. Um, after you get the GED, the next thing you should do 
is start learning information technology. If you have the means, resources, and time, go to a community college. Go to a community college. I'm telling you the exact steps I did. Go to a community college and get some credits under your belt. I go for an associate's degree in information technology. You don't have to be a high school graduate to go to community college. That's why I mentioned it. Um, after you get your associate's degree, as you're getting your associate's degree, start working on the experience. At the community college, they'll have ways that you can actually help them to uh, hook up networks, hook up wireless fixed systems, you'll be gaining experience while you're in community college. They have work, they have student work programs, they have internships, they have apprenticeships, they have clubs, they have things that you can actually do to get experience while you're in community college. Number one, get your GED. Don't even think about cybersecurity unless you get your GED. Forget it. Get your GED. Number two, go to community college. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get you in a place where you can actually start getting experience. Another thing you can do is also do uh, vocational schools. Um, you can do vocational schools and then focus on just IT stuff. Either one of those will do. That's one path. Um, another thing you can do, much harder, is join the military. But military is going to include uh, getting a GED. Um, if you're going to the Air Force, I think you probably you might have to have some college credits. I'm not sure about that. But here's here's why I think that this is what I did. I'm just telling you what I did um, to get where I'm at. I went into the military. Military is going to allow you to it's going to allow you to go to college and get a bachelor's degree. Or a master's or a Ph.D. And then they'll mentor you to do it. It's freaking dope. Uh, their educate the military's education is is second to none. It's it's incredible. Um, so there's that. Then they pay for it 100 if you're in the military. I would suggest the Air Force or the Coast Guard. Um, but all the other branches are good too. But those are the probably the I would I would do those. <laughs> um, and then also the military. One of the dopest things about the military is going to give you on the job training. Um, I, I actually, once I got out of the military, I could have been a full-time police officer because I had experience and I would have been a dope-ass police officer. Um, I could have I could have been a security guard at a high-level place that pays like 80000 a year. Or I could go into computers, which I did. I went into computers and um, never looked back. So I had two marketable trades and experience in both. Another thing about the military, the dopest thing about the military by far the dopest thing, most life-changing, incredible thing that I did in the military was travel. When I was in the military, I went to probably 10 different countries. And um, it changes your perspective on life and reality. Um, I really can't explain like what it gives to you to get out of the, wherever you're at. But it absolutely changed my life. I went to I went to places that made me realize how lucky I was to be born where I was. I, well, I was born into poverty, but I didn't know what poverty was until I went to Afghanistan and saw what real poverty looks like. It's on a different level. And then also saw extreme poverty. 
you know, in the military. I saw extreme wealth too. I went to countries that were very wealthy. I was, I went to Germany. I went to, you know, Korea, Seoul, Korea was pretty nice at the time. You know, there's parts of poor Korea, but Seoul's pretty rich. Um, I went to, I went to so many different countries and it changed my whole perspective on humanity and what I think about the world. In America, you tend to, there's all these narratives that want you to just believe one thing and kind of just go like this. And that's why there's all this infighting and uh, people think there's going to be a civil war, which is bullshit. I mean, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They don't even know what war is. They're talking about war. And um, it really changed. Everything is not American and everything is not your block. Everything is not your city. Everything is not your state. It makes you it makes you appreciate other cultures and realize that it it really puts things in perspective traveling is one of the most educational things i've ever done that had the pleasure and uh the honor of doing so i would say if you don't have a ged i'm, I'm speaking to abdul who doesn't have a, who doesn't have a ged he's asked me about cybersecurity. i'm told i'm told him that i don't have i also I, i'm a high school dropout and I got my GED, number one. I went to a community college. Then I went to the military. And I got in the military, I got two two degrees in the military and like four certifications and experience in three different trades. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, that's the track I did. And that's one thing you can do. I don't I wouldn't take it lightly if you go into the military because you could be put into a war zone and then be doing stuff you don't want to do. Or don't even maybe don't even agree with, but um, it's an option. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let me see. Somebody said in school for associate's degree, cybersecurity got help desk, got help desk job. Any advice? That's awesome. Um, yeah, I do have some advice. So you have an associate's degree in cybersecurity, you have a help desk job. My advice would be to put your resume out there. And um, always be looking. Put your resume on LinkedIn. Put your resume on Dice.com, on Monster.com, on CareerJet.com, on Indeed.com, on CareerBuilder, on as many sites as you could possibly think of. And put your associate's degree, all your skills, all the stuff you've done on the help desk. If you want to focus on cybersecurity, focus on the keywords that are cybersecurity related. These are security best practices, which if you're on the help desk, you know what I'm talking about. Whenever you've created accounts, you've done multi-factor authentication and you've installed it or you've maintained it. Um, whenever you've done account control, account management, whenever you've done uh, set up auditing on systems, if you've ever looked at logs, if you've ever um, done... Um, inventory for help for the hardware the software if you've if you any of these things you've done you need to put that on your resume as experience if you have if you want examples of what you should put on your resume and how it should word it and stuff i've got a free downloadable resume you could look you could look at mine to see how to word it i put it action and an impact statement i use lots of numbers but another thing you can do is go to linkedin itself and look at other people's resume Type in uh, cybersecurity and then look up people. Some people put their entire resume for all the world to see. I'm, I'm one of them. 
and you can literally look at what they put on their resume, where they've worked, what they put on the, how they word it, put that stuff on your resume and always be looking. What that'll do is this is a numbers game. There's always a market looking for somebody like yourself with your skill set, but they don't, they're looking for you. Like if you don't tell them where you are, how can they find you? And your job is to play that numbers game, which is put yourself in front of as many people as possible, which will increase greatly by an order of magnitude, increase your bottom line, your money, your income, and your opportunities to not only work where you're at, but maybe even get a remote job. But if they don't, if you don't put yourself out there, nobody's going to know who you are. They're not going to know how to find you. And and um, basically, you're putting yourself at risk by not doing what I'm telling you. Um, I'm going to I'm going for my CISSP in three weeks. It's been a journey. Yeah, CISSP is no joke, man. That's to this day one of the hardest certifications I've ever taken. I was so nervous too to take that certification. I remember I took it. I went into this job and they said, hey, can you get it? And I didn't have a CISP. I said, you can get this position, but you need a CISP to get, can you get the CISP in six months? I said, yeah, I can get CISP in six months. I took the job. I I did not get it in, in six months because I was too nervous to take it. And my boss came back in eight months and said, hey man, did you, what's going on? Did you was have you taken it yet? Or are you going to what's going on? I said, no, I I didn't. I, I don't think I'm ready to take it. I said, is it okay if I take the security plus first and then take the CIS? He says, yeah, but you know, we really need you to have CISP. Just go ahead and take the security plus. I did, I took it, I passed it, and came back to him and said, I got the security plus. It's like you need the CISP. So then I I kept studying. I studied this for the CISP for a year. I was just really nervous. How I studied it was I got a, I got a book. I got the official CISSP guide, which was like $65, right? And I just went through it, read through it, cover to cover. I took notes on every section, put it in my own words, and I studied my notes. And then after I studied my notes, I knew all everything from the book, like in my own pair. I paraphrased it for myself, so I understood it. Then what I did was I took like probably a few thousand tests. I mean, I, the questions. I took question after question after question after. There's all of these um, sites that have uh, questions. They have random question generator. I think there's even one on IC2 Square site. There's some in the back of those books. There's some, there was a site called CCC Cure that had a bunch of questions on it. And people just generate these questions. You know, it was just based off of the material that's in the book it's in the um curriculum of the test i just did that over and over again and after a year I took the test and i was the last person to finish that test man i i took it was a six hour test i took five hours and 30 minutes and i was by the end i had a migraine grain headache i probably second my guess myself through the entire test i mean it was a nightmare but I, I passed it. But I remember thinking to myself, I thought I failed it. And at and the test, they would give us these pencils. And it was a green pencil that had CISSP in gold letters. And I was remember thinking to myself, I just bought a $600 pencil. Because I spent $600 on the test, and I thought I failed it. And I had a pencil on my hand. 
and they give you that pencil for free. <laughs> so I was like, I spent $600 and I'm walking away with this damn pencil. And all I could think is like, I sat in the car, it's like after the test, my head was pounding so hard. I didn't even know if I could drive. My head hurt so bad. And I was just like, damn, what am I going to do, man? I was just like, I'm just going to take that fucking test again. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to write questions down. I'm going to take that fucking test again. I'm not going to fail this damn test. And then I passed it and I was like, holy shit, I passed it. <laughs> so that's my CISSP story. Yeah, I've been using the Learn Learn Z app practice test. It's fantastic. Oh, that's that's cool. Learn Z app practice tests. That's awesome. That's exactly what I did. I didn't I didn't use that one, but I just kept taking tests over and over again. Yeah, the the price is no joke. It was when I did it, I pretty got a pretty low number. I did it a long time ago, um, but when I did it, it was six hundred dollars or something like that i didn't do the boot camp um i don't remember why i didn't do the boot camp they were offering it to me but i just i think i think instead of taking their boot camp that cissp boot camp i took like a hacker boot camp i was obsessed with hacking and i <laughs> i took that instead uh let me see here got a comment on youtube somebody said Worked as a contractor in healthcare technology and information for five years until 2017. Then he says, worked for the Air Force as a contractor for six years until 2017. That's great experience. That's a lot of great experience. It's a lot of, so you know HIPAA like crazy, huh? You know HIPAA, you know HIPAA and you know NIST 800. I, I hope you put that on your test, I mean, on your uh, resume. The agency is paying me, is paying for my CISSP as well as I already, and I already know it's a monster, but recently got my PMP cert and that was a mountain to climb. Wish me luck. Oh man, PMP is dope too. PMP is a great certification. I know a couple cybersecurity guys who are either going for their PMP or got their PMP because PMP is um, pretty, it's I mean, it pays pretty good, especially if you've been doing this for, we've been doing project management for a while. That's a great alternative to all to cybersecurity in general. So that's great, man. Congrats. Yeah, CISSP is no joke, man. It's just, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't have any secret sauce on how to pass it. I mean, just study your ass off. <laughs> it's just, it's just, they make it crazy hard. I mean, I know a guy who said he he took it in 30 minutes and barely studied. And I don't know. I'm just not I'm not a test taker like that. You know, I'm book smart, but not that book smart. Um, what type of computer do you use? I'm not really, you know, I tried using Mac and I just can't get into Mac and Apple products. I just don't I don't like how they're so proprietary. I'm, even the iPhone, I don't, I just don't like proprietary stuff. I like open source stuff. I like to be able to use open source stuff sometimes. So I really, really, really don't like how Apple forces you to use their stuff. I really don't like that. And
And then it's the same thing with Mac. So I just couldn't, I have a Mac. I just never use it. I used, I used it mainly to write an app. I was trying to write an app and it had to be on Android and it had to be on Apple devices. So I got the Mac or whatever, but I don't even use it anymore. And then there's um, Linux. I'm, I use Linux from time to time, but mostly for work stuff. Like if I have to do an assessment, my last job, we'd have to use Linux to do assessments and stuff. I use it for work. If it's day-to-day -day stuff, it's Windows all day long. If it's like right now, I'm using either, I'm using Windows and Android. Those are my two go-tos. Those are the things I use most, Windows and Android. My Android phone and my Windows systems to do writing. Writing is the thing I do the most. And Word is my killer app. I love Word. MS Word, I freaking love it. I haven't found a replacement for it. I love how it formats stuff. I just, everything about Word, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. It just works. I, I'm familiar with it. And so every, most, most of the things I do is writing, right? I need a Word processor. That's good. I don't like Mac. I, although I know that Mac has a great tool called Write or something. They have several tools that are awesome for writing and for editing video and stuff. But I just don't like Mac. <laughs> I just don't. It's a beautiful. Like, I'm not taking anything from it. It's just, it's just not for me, man. It's too. I don't like how they proprietize everything, make everything like you have to use their stuff. You know, like stupid iTunes. Freaking hate it. It's so stupid. So dumb. I was so excited when they were going to Linux. And then it's still proprietary. I'm like, man, I don't like Mac, man. I, I just don't. I'm not into it. Gino says, um, any chance you have any connections at the at Paragon at Paraton? I see you work there and I'm shooting my shot. Um, it's it was a long time ago when it was called a different company. So actually, I never worked at Paraton. I worked at, um, I don't remember the name of it when I worked there, but um, they, what was it called? Shit, I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but um, no, I don't have any connections there. But um, don't, don't just go for Paraton, man. Just put your resume out there and you'll find so many other opportunities that um, Paraton is a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. And there's so many other opportunities, especially for what you do, Gino. Like, especially for what you do. I'm telling you, man, you're about to you're about to have a lot of opportunities come at you. Um, Parat was Paraton where I worked at? Uh... No, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It was a long time ago, man. It's a blur to me now. Um, I didn't have any anyone to sponsor me so i have to go through the whole isc to certify my work history damn that sucks yeah what he's talking about is isc2 some of the certifications including the cissp and i think the grc they have to have somebody validate somebody who knows you or has worked with you they have to validate that you have been working in that field of cybersecurity for x amount of years and um, if you don't have anybody to do that, I guess they have to evaluate your entire work history. Damn. 
Um, let me see. Somebody said, trying to get in cybersecurity, what should I do first? Depends on where you're starting from. What, what's your what's your background? Maryland, three, four, two, three. And then we can go from there. What do you think about hack hackathons? Hackertons. Hackertons or hackathons? Hackertons? What is that? What is Hackertons? Let me see. It, unless you, did you just misspeak? Hackerton. I don't know what that is. Hacker. I'm not in the hacker space, just so you know. I'm a GRC guy. Oh, is it? Oh, Hackertons. It's for your, empowering your child to build great things. Oh, that's pretty cool. I think this is awesome, actually. Wow, this is really cool, guys. Look, let me show this on the screen. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but I just stumbled into something cool. Hacker tons. Hacking tons? I think we're talking about something different. <laughs> this is uh, it's something for kids. It's like a hacker thing for kids. Oh, man, this is really cool. My kids developing software and stuff. But I think you you were talking about something else. Anyway, let's see. Marilyn3423 says, my background is recreation. Um, So no IT stuff. Um, I would say for IT, for if you're trying to get into cybersecurity, um, it sounds interesting. It, it pays well. It's job security. So you're intrigued. You got to start with IT, basic IT. So I'm thinking since you said, you didn't mention IT. You didn't mention any kind of computer stuff. You have no experience or background in IT, um, information technology. So I would say you need to start off by knowing the common body of knowledge that's in um, information technology. And there's a couple places you can get this. The top being college. So. I know that people are crapping on college these days, and with good reason. It's too expensive. The books cost $200 a piece. The tuition's stupid. I agree. But you do have community college and state colleges that are a little bit cheaper in tuition. Actually, in case of community college, a lot cheaper. And people try to shit on community college, but community college is freaking awesome. Because um, it's the same It's the same thing in an IT they're not looking at what school you went to. They're just looking for you to know the knowledge and do the work. So they're not looking for you to go to MIT, bro. You know, so so I would say start off with basic IT stuff. The best thing you can do is go to college, community college, start learning basic IT stuff. Take, um, I would suggest information technology, uh, associate's degree in information technology, information systems, uh, computer sciences, and be a geek, like start to take your computer apart, fix your own computer, remove your own viruses, mess with tools, put your own gaming devices together, make your own uh, crypto rig, whatever. Do stuff on your own, right? Be self-taught and then also go to school. If you can't go to school for whatever reason, can't afford it, don't have time, whatever. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you just go and take a certification and then magically you got a job because I just don't. There's too many people who contact me and say, hey, I have a security plus, but I can't find a job. Yeah, 
that's what happens. Um, what I would say is you got to learn the common body of knowledge no matter what. Whether you go to school or not, if you're starting off from scratch with nothing, you're coming from a whole different career field, I would recommend there's a couple entry-level certs that are going to help you to learn the basics and to even know if you want to do this um, without breaking the bank would be one is CompTIA A plus certification. There's two certifications. If you don't know anything, it's going to be super hard for you. Um, if you, if you already know it, don't, don't waste your time with it. Another one that I've heard good things about as far as learning the curriculum, um, is going to be Google support, it support, Google it support. So that's another one. It's not as marketable in CompTIA, is CompTIA a plus CompTIA a plus been around for a long time. Um, but what you're trying to do at this point is just learn the common body of knowledge for IT. And then once you get that common body of knowledge, you might not even want to do cybersecurity because there's what you'll find is there's many different branches that you can get into. Many different things. You can get into uh, computer support. You can get and just do that. Maybe you like that best. Um, you can do networking. You can do software engineering. You can do just so many different things you can do. But first step, learn the common body of knowledge, then branch off from there. Your best bet, if you're very serious already, is going to be college. But if you can't do that, start learning on your own and start working on like the CompTIA A+. It gives you a goal to like aspire to, but also you're learning all the stuff you need to learn as you go. You're welcome. Okay, what do what do I think about hackathons? Let me see. I think hack, hackathons are dope. Um, I've been to this thing called uh, DefCon. They have one of the best, biggest hackathons in the world. Capture the flag, and um, I think you're talking about something different though. Hackathon is a code fest of social coding. Um, yeah, so. Hackathons that are done by like major corporations. Great way to like figure out what to figure out what vulnerabilities are on systems. One of the biggest places that had hackathons was DEF CON. DEF CON, I went to one of the I went to DEF CON. Damn, it was back when they were still only a hundred dollars to go in. And it was back when they were doing it at Alexis Park. It was a long time ago. I mean, Jeff Moss was still there, the guy who created it. It was a long ass time ago. I don't remember which one it was, but it was it was incredible and terrifying. And um, I think I went. Did I go twice? I can't remember. Yeah, I went twice because the second time I went, it was somewhere else, and it was like triple the price. Anyway, one of the times I went there, the hackers had found this gigantic hole in Cisco iOS. The problem with that is that everybody, your bank, your school, your hospital, everybody use, in America uses Cisco devices. Everybody. And all the data is on those damn systems. All of it. So it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. And what made it worse is that Cisco at the time... I'm sure they've they've mended their ways, but at the time, Cisco's trying to hide it. They weren't trying to tell nobody. And uh, to make matters worse, I think the NSA knew. They knew that that tool that 
And the NSA knows about a lot of vulnerabilities. And they just sit on them and use them to hack people's shit. At least that's what I heard. I don't know. I don't know anything, guys. Let's see here. What else we got going on? <laughs> I've said too much. And with that said, guys, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to end this thing. But thank you guys so much. I appreciate everybody who's watched. I've been talking for almost three hours. It's been great. It was easy this time. I don't know why this one was so much easier, um, but I appreciate it. I will try. I say this every week, but this time there's money on the line because I'm trying to sell my book. If you didn't know, there's a free book right now only for the next three days. But um, it's about cybersecurity. If you want to help a brother out, just download that mug real quick and it'll help me with the algorithm at the very least, even if you don't read it. But it's a great read. I mean, it's it's not entry level, but it's for people who actually are trying to do do uh, cybersecurity programs. That being said, it is free for the time being. I will have more free books and more free stuff coming out, even sometimes courses and stuff. I've been off the course path for now because I just really want to put out this series of books right now that said thank you guys for watching thank you guys for downloading the book thank you guys for your support um appreciate everybody i am out of here i'll try to do this tomorrow i promise i'll try <laughs> i'm out i'm out of here